Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone happy monday welcome to the opening drive on 101 espn with super bowl champ carrie davis i'm randy Carricker. great to have you with us it's seven o'clock your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers and officially licensed rolex jeweler good morning carrie davis how you doing i am doing well sir how are you doing good looking forward to this show we're going to talk to chris kerber as we always do on monday morning but it's super bowl week so we're going to visit with our old friend uh, Chris Long, later in the show, he, mm-hmm. of course, won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's kind of his football home now. It would be St. Louis if we had a team, but yeah. he, he's an Eagles guy and still has a lot of former teammates that are going to play for the Super Bowl next Sunday against Kansas City. And then one of your teammates from the Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers, the MVP of your Super Bowl, San Antonio Holmes. My guy, Tone. Great, yeah. great. Great football player, great man. Looking forward to that. So we have a fun show coming up for you here on 101 ESPN. Let's uh, wrap up the weekend first of all, though. Friday night over at Chaffetz Arena, Virginia Commonwealth, the Rams, the second of three consecutive games for St. Louis U against the Rams. Fordham, VCU, and next up will be Rhode Island. VCU knocks off SLU 73-65. Uh, carry a Terrence Hargrove dunk with 5.58 to play, makes it a one-point game, 57-56. But then VCU goes on a 12-2 run, and this is a constant problem with the Billikens. Failure to close things out. VCU with a 12-2 run over the next 5.03 to put it away. And in that five minutes and three seconds, the Billikens were one of six from the floor with two turnovers, both by Uri Collins. And Ace Baldwin had 37 points on 12 of 15 shooting for VCU. So the defense wasn't great for our, for St. Louis U either. Yeah, you give up 37 points That's uh, to, to one gentleman. That's going mm-hmm. to be troubling <laughs> in a 40-minute game. You're, you're going to struggle to win that game. Uh, if you're turning the ball over, not scoring on possessions, when you have those empty possessions go down, you, as you said, one for six during that time frame, those are tough possessions and tough. Uh, it's tough to win games, especially if the other team is coming down and putting points on the board. And what SLU has to do now, we said this at Christmas time when the conference season started, it really doesn't matter because they have to win the NCAA or the, the A-10 tournament to yeah. get into the NCAA tournament. So whatever way they do it is going to, if they're going to make the tournament, this is going to be the way they're going to do it, winning the A-10 tournament. Winning or losing this game would have no impact on what the committee thought of them as an at-large team. They just won't be one of the top 64. Well, you would just 68. you would rather them have the easier route Double in the A10, in the A10 tournament. And by losing this game, they they put themselves out of first yeah. place. Out of um, now VCU is, and and so that is the. The, the frustrating part because we talked to, we talked to Travis Ford last week and I asked him do, do does your team 
realize or recognize or do you speak about it, the importance of this game? He said, yeah, we all understand it. Uh, and you go out there and don't take care of your business. It's, it's a little bit frustrating. Now, yeah. the season isn't over. You still get VCU again later on in the season. And so, two against Dayton, too. Yeah, so you still have an opportunity to, to put yourself back in the first place. Uh, but you want to finish games and do the things the right way, score on possessions, and not give up 37 points to, to Baldwin Jr. That's a lot. The, he was pretty good. Mizzou, the top-scoring Power 5 team in America, scored only 52 against Mississippi State. They fall by a score of 63-52. Tigers only 16-50 of 50 from the floor. That's going to happen to every team sometimes. You hate to have it happen, but it happened to them on Saturday. That's the... I think that's the scary thing if you're a Mizzou fan about this team. They can shoot the lights out when they're on, and then if they're off... 16 for 50, it has to leave you leaving the arena feeling very empty. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't see many shots go in. So you have to leave there feeling like, what did I just watch? It's the good and bad. It's the gift and curse of this team. You understand. They're going to fly around. Mm-hmm. They're going to play well. They're going to get a lot of shots up. When they're going in, you get a game like you got against Illinois where you're winning by 20, 25, it felt like at one point. And when they're not, you feel like you're going to lose to a, to a team in Mississippi State, which you probably don't feel like you should have lost that game. Should have won that game. And then capping off a bad weekend for the area teams, Illinois <sighs> loses to Iowa 81-79. Iowa taking pains to keep Illinois fans out of their arena, but there was something to it because Iowa officials canceled 200 tickets that Illinois fans have bought, but as it turns out, the Illinois fans said they had bought them for a boys and girls club in Iowa City. Not the case. They were going so that they could take over the arena, and so at least they admitted their their misdeeds, and the tickets wound up going to a boys and girls club, but that's just an aside to the the 81-79 loss to Iowa. Well, the the Orange Crush is the organization. Mm -hmm. They are students at the University of Illinois and they are upstanding this is this is an upstanding organization from Sounds my like experience it, from my experience <laughs> I don't know what they were doing in this instant uh, but I do know that they they did apologize they did say they made an egregious decision to try to uh, swindle Iowa officials and get 200 tickets out of them for a low price anytime you're doing something like that Randy here's the thing I'm not telling you how to be a criminal I, I would never <laughs> do that right but here's the problem with criminals it's always when you have too many people involved then people get to talking and I'm certain that they had someone on the internet or someone speaking loudly oh we just got these Iowa guys we're we're gonna take over Iowa no you're not they they, they figured it out they, they, they are they are not ignorant to, to the fact that they are pay, they're, they're paying attention to what's going on. You all made a mistake they owned up to it didn't get to come to the game maybe that helped uh, the Iowa. Hawkeyes win that game? Maybe not. The Orange Crush is, is, they do a good job of celebrating their teams. You've seen the movie The Town, Ben Affleck, Jeremy Renner. Oh, yeah. That's the, uh, that the, was... best, the best part of the movie is when the cop just gets back in his car. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, a, that was a great crime because it was a tight-knit group, yes, right? Yes. Everyone is on the same page. Nobody's yeah. talking. Yeah. And then Ben Affleck winds up giving the money to uh, was his, it who? his girlfriend. Yeah, uh, it wasn't Blake Lively. What? No, no, it was no. I don't was, remember her name. Yeah, but Blake Lively was in that movie too. Uh, but that's just another aside here. Vladimir Tarasenko <laughs> performed well in the NHL All Star competition. I'm, now I'm not going to call this an All Star game because you have it's like a three team trade. You've got you got four teams playing. It's not one game. It's but it was an All Star competition. It's intriguing how they how they do this. I, yeah. I, do, do you like that? Nah, man, nah. you you rather go back to a regular? I'd, I'd rather play a, a game. regular game. Yeah, play it hockey wise. Which All Star setup did you like more and or less? The NHL All Star game or the Pro Bowl? 
I, we'll get to that shortly because yeah. I actually, I tell you yeah. what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, Vladimir, then, yeah. I believe I have the answer. <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko was solid for the Central Division, a goal and three assists. And he, according to people that were there, showed off enough skills, carry that he will draw interest from other teams as the trade deadline approaches on March 3rd. Is this happening before the Blues step back on the on the hockey ring, on the ice, in the hockey ring? We're going to talk about this later, but if I were Doug Armstrong, it would. Okay. Because I'm afraid he's of the hot guy right now. Hurt. I mean, you, you, yeah, you got to see yep. what he's capable of, and there should be a... But then he still has the no trade clause, right? So, yeah. so it's... So you probably have to work through that anyway yeah. as you approach... Well, uh, as you approach March 3rd, but get that done. As far as I'm concerned... You got a week? Five days? Yeah, before you they, they play, get on the 11th. Yeah. I, and if you get close and you're playing Arizona on Saturday night at Enterprise Center, just sit them. Yeah. If, if, if you're it's close. Right there. All right. Today, we're going to have a new bracket for the greatest sports family of all time. That's another reason we're talking to Chris Long later on. On Friday, we had the baseball bracket. The Moline, Everything was a trounce. Molina's over the Guerrero's 77.9 to 22.1. So the Molina's advanced. The Bonds's advanced. Barry and Bobby, 77.3% to the Alou's 22.7. The Griffies, it's almost like Ken Jr. going into the Hall of Fame. 95.9% to 4.1% for the fielders. And Joe and Vince and Dom DiMaggio eliminated the Alomars. The DiMaggio 68.4% to 31.6% for Roberto and Sandy and Sandy Alomar. Do the Molinas have a clear chance to come out of this bracket on top? I believe they do. It, it, but I think people, if people use proper judgment and don't use the emotional Louis, judgment, yeah. the St. Louis tie, then I don't think they do. If this were a ballot that were taking place, let's see, do we have any Chicago's in here? No. Yeah, they'd vote against Molina anyway. So let's <laughs> let's just, let's put it for the baseball fans in Tampa. Okay. The, the baseball fans in Tampa probably would not, definitely would not have the Molina. Well, they had Jose Molina. But anyway, no, I, I think a rational baseball fan does not put the Molinas ahead. And that said, with all due respect, with all due spectacular respect. All due respect. family. So we're moving on now to hockey. And today, and this will be up on the Twitter machine, Rock ESPN, Matthew Rocchio will have the bracket. Kerry will retweet it. I will retweet it. So it'll be on the Twitter machine. Tough one for St. Louis. The first one, the number one seed, the Hulls, Bobby and Brett, against the number eight seed, Keith Matthew and Brady Kachuk. The Hulls and the Kachuks are one of the fields. We also have number two seeds, the Espositos, against the number seven seed, six brother brothers, nephews, sons, the Sutter brothers. So the Espositos, Phil and Tony, are the number two seed, which is a really strong number two seed. Gordy and Mark and Marty Howe are the three seed. They go against uh, Wayne Gretzky and Brent Gretzky. Brett Wayne, the great one, and one of the great nicknames of all time for Brent Gretzky, the good one. <laughs> is that really a good nickname? Yeah. <laughs> Your brother is the great one and you're the good one? Well, it, sadly, he really wasn't that good. Right, exactly. Hockey. I mean, he made it to the NHL, but he wasn't that, wasn't that good. Then we have the Richards, uh, Rocket Richard, Maurice Rocket Richard. And uh, his brother against the Sedin twins, the Sedin sisters, as they're called here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> That's your 4-5 uh, matchup. So 
That's what we have today. Hull against Kachuk, Richards against the Sedins, Howes against the Gretzkys, and the Espositos against the Sutters. And you can go on the Twitter machine and find out what uh, or determine who is going to advance. So there you have it. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. What do you got for us, Matthew? I was just sending out the tweet. Oh, good. The, just, the tweet just, the, is the, the out. tweet's out. It's got the full bracket uh, through two rounds on the left side. It's got a zoomed-in version of our baseball bracket, so you can see what happened there. And we got a zoomed-in version of the hockey bracket. And now all our um, polls are out there right now, so start voting. Okay. And by the way, we need to give Kerry Davis a minute here to talk about the highly competitive and much-anticipated Pro Bowl Yeah, in, in, in Vegas. Yay! It's it fun, right? Slow, slow clap. Did you see that tackle by Minka Fitzpatrick, the flag? I, well, I saw, I saw, what I saw, gentlemen, was competitiveness, which has sorely been lacking for the last, I don't know, four or five years. In the, in, well, I think it jumped the shark when Barry Switzer was eating a hot dog as he was coaching. <laughs> well, I, people eating on the sideline doesn't really bother me. Mm. The competition on the field, I feel like, had been lacking. And you, when you have people, Randy, I'm going to tell you something. I watched practices that were tougher than some of those Pro Bowl games in the last few years. When people are going through the line, nobody's blocking, no one's tackling. It's not fun. What you got to see um, this weekend was more competitiveness. Guys actually competing, working, running hard, running fast. You had some accidental uh, bumps where where Jalen Ramsey knocked down Tyreek Hill trying to get the flag from Devontae Adams. You had a that was actually a tackle on a mm-hmm. on a ball carrier, which you hadn't seen in three, four, five years. So for me, the hockey game, the hockey weekend, okay. But Pro Bowl, what they did, the competition that they had, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. And people were betting on that. And they always will. It's unbelievable. All right, coming up next here on 101 ESPN, three things we loved about the weekend. Stick around to the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and time for three things we loved about the weekend. Number three. CD. For me, I just spoke about it. It's the Pro Bowl and all the events that took place. Uh, the competition uh, amongst the men, it, it brought back the feeling of, you know, Randy, I used to love when they did the, the bench press and the, the fastest man. Uh, there were There were more... It was more competition involved, and that, for me, you know, gets me going. I enjoy seeing guys that are the best of the best competing at the highest level. And, you know, I, I enjoyed what they tried to do this weekend. The flag football game was fun to watch. It was exciting. You had drama all the way down to the end, uh, a game-winning touchdown by CeeDee Lamb. That was fun to watch, and it was exciting because you had guys actually working hard to try to win a game as opposed to what you've seen in the past. And for me, CD, I love the way that St. Louis continues just to support sports, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's the Battlehawks, who will see big crowds when they get started in a couple of weeks, or St. Louis City SC, which had so many requests for t- season tickets and will get started here in less than a month. But Friday night over at Chaffetz Arena, there is a sellout crowd for St. Louis U basketball against VCU. And we talked to Coach Ford on Friday morning, and they did a good job of getting the word out that they needed a big crowd. And yes, the Billikens did struggle down the stretch, but just to see that we're such an amazing sports town. See that reinforced again and again and again. One of the things I loved about the weekend. Number two. 
Randy, I think our number two is going to be the same. The event we were at yesterday, the Pujols Family Foundation All-Star Celebrity Basketball Game was a, was a great event. You were doing the play-by-play. An amazing job, as always. Uh, I missed three free throws. I came up short. I need to use my legs a little bit. But it wasn't about us. It was about the young men and women that were there uh, being celebrated. And Albert does an outstanding job of of helping young people in the community with Down syndrome. And, and that game for me was so much fun to watch them have so much fun, you know, hit shots, play defense, play, get rebounds, make passes. It was extremely exciting to be a part of. Uh, our team did get the win. We we won the game mm-hmm. and, and we had some guys and some gals making some big shots. It's a large group of young people with Down syndrome and they were joined by Carrie and Ant. Andy and Alan Bennis, you had uh, one of the great slam dunk champions, uh, Jacob Turner of all time. Uh, let's see, who Scott else? Scott Terry. Oh, Scott K- Terry was Kerry Robinson. Yeah. yeah, so. First time meeting him, too. Yeah, great guy. So, <laughs> yeah. you, a, a really good group of people were out there that do so much for the community. And the Albert Pujols Charitable Foundation, the Family Foundation, just does amazing work. Uh, Tim Perry and Jen Teamer and their staff are amazing. And uh, they, they had so many great sponsors. And it was just a great day. And like you said, and by the way, thanks to the basketball teams, men's and women's at oh, Missouri yeah. Baptist, yep, to play yep. against Albert's yes. All-Stars. Yeah. And the whole day revolves around the, those joyful kids getting even more joy yeah. and providing more joy and having joy in their lives. So it was very cool, and it was great to get you out there playing. It was great to see Kerry Davis uh, on the basketball court again. Kind of in your element. Yeah, I, I really felt like uh, back into my my element. I, I, it felt like I need to go start playing a little bit more basketball, getting up and down the court a little bit more. It's been a while. Yeah. I need to put the scout cap on. I need I need, I need a pro player comparison <laughs> for Kerry Davis's basketball game. Khalid El Amin. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good call. Good call. Wow, and actually, you, you pulled yeah. that right out. I, I, that's who I used to play like. Yeah, oh, yeah. Still do. You still do. <laughs> Number one. Uh, for me, Randy, it's the fact that the week ended, and now it is time for the Super Bowl. We are here. Mm-hmm. The the you know. The entire week prior, we we talk about, we try to find stories, we try to find things to talk about, but now we are here. The Super Bowl is is upon us. We have six days until those gentlemen will be on the field uh, playing in probably the biggest game of their lives, and and it's it's just for me. It brings back memories of, you know, what that was like flying down to Tampa as a team, getting prepared, getting into the hotel, knowing what the media days would be like after practice, and and it was just so much fun to be a part of that to have a have an opportunity to not only play in the Super Bowl to but to win one I am thrilled for both of these teams the young men that have never been to one that have never experienced it it's going to be something that, that that they cherish for the rest of their lives and and so that for me is my number one just knowing that Super Bowl week is here and guys will be able to uh to get out to Arizona and really see what this Super Bowl is is going to be made of okay so on media day there's maybe 15, 20 people that have podiums, quarterbacks, yep. stars, head coaches. And then the rest of the group, 40 other people are either, depending on where the facility is, sitting in, literally sitting in seats in the stands, <laughs> or if you're in a hotel room, sitting at a table. I'm assuming, even though you were the starting fullback, did you have a podium? No, I was in the stands. So I you was, should have, I you was, should have been in a, on a podium. Uh, but, okay. <laughs> I was in the stands. Uh, I, Bernie Miklas came and found mm-hmm. me, and, and I think there's a picture of me kind of lounging with my feet uh, on the <laughs> chair in front of me. Um, so it was, it was like I said, it was fun. It was an exciting time to be a part of that um, and, and just really – 
just I just remember it. It doesn't seem like it was 14 years ago, mm-hmm. but I remember the experience and and all of the things that took place. And because you joined a team that had won just a few years earlier. Were there a couple of guys on the team said, "Hey, you got to savor this. You got to take it in. Slow it down." Yeah, everyone. I mean, they all, a, a vast majority of the team had mm-hmm. had been there. You know, three years prior had had won it when they played in Detroit, and so you had a lot of guys giving you, you know, the ins and outs, the do's and don'ts, kind of what to expect and how to manage your time. Because more, the most important thing is how you manage your time. And I think guys told us, you know, enjoy the week. Um, have fun Friday, no family, lock it down. Because now it, it is game week. It's time to to put yourself in game mode. And, and when you're in a game week, you don't have all of that time with, with family. So just lock it in as we get closer to the game. And by the way, all due respect to our friends in Detroit, but how thankful are you that – your Super Bowl oh, wasn't in Detroit. I'm thankful. It was warm <laughs> outside. I was in Tampa. I had played in Tampa. I was going back and forth to St. Pete, seeing people, seeing friends, and so I, I had a I had a really good time. CD, my number one is. L- let me set the stage for you here. Ten minutes before our show, we're uh, I'm here diligently preparing, <laughs> and uh, Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio, you've heard it on the air. Well, it happens off the air that they All debate the, time. the goats. I texted, okay. him, I texted him over the weekend about stuff. It was, they, it was wild. they debate goats. Okay, th- there are a lot of undisputed goats. Okay, there are, uh, Tom Brady is now an undisputed goat. Jerry Rice is an undisputed goat. If you want to dispute Babe Ruth versus Barry Bonds, you can do that. If you want to dispute LeBron and and Michael, you you can do that. But Beyonce is the all-time musical GOAT. Oh, yeah. 32 Grammys. She won last night and set the all-time record for Grammy Awards. And there's no doubt about it that uh, we're living in an era with the most decorated, accomplished musician of all time. Yeah, and I think... We were living in an era prior to this with Michael Jackson, who was was on that same track. We've been able to see, I, I, I you know, Randy, I, I don't know what they did in the early 1900s or in the early 1700s, but I would have to say that we are in a time period in these in this 2000s, late 90, late late 1900s, 2000s, where we've witnessed a lot of great things, a lot mm-hmm. of great people, a lot of great athletes, uh, entertainers, and, and it's been you know really exciting for us to be able to be a part of that. Yeah, it's really amazing, too, when you think about, the, the since we were kids, when you, when you think about Prince, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, yeah. as you mentioned, uh, the Eagles, Billy Joel, all these Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the fact that during our lifetimes, and this is... I mean, we we didn't live when the jazz era was born. We didn't live during the classical era. But we do know that we are living during an era with an array of musical geniuses that we get to enjoy. Yes. It's it's pretty fun to to be a part of that. It's pretty good. Those are three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker. Coming up, the Eagles are headed back to the Super Bowl. Are they kind of an underrated franchise? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Hackman Lumber. 
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Next Sunday, Super Bowl 57. It starts at 5.30 here on 101 ESPN. Of course, you'll hear pregame programming throughout the day and actually throughout the week here on 101 ESPN, including Super Bowl champs Chris Long and San Antonio Holmes joining Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis today. Kerry, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to become the second team in the Super Bowl era, 57 Super Bowls, Mm -hmm. to go to four different Super Bowls with four different head coaches and quarterbacks. They've done so with Dick Vermeil and Ron Jaworski, Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz slash Nick Foles, Foles through the playoffs, of course, Mm -hmm. and now Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. They join only the 49ers who went with uh, Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, they also went with George Seifert and Steve Young. They went with Jim Harbaugh and Colin Kaepernick, and now they're in a super or were in a Super Bowl with uh, Mike uh, Brett uh, Kyle Shanahan. I got all kinds of Shanahans on the mind here. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan and, and Jimmy Garoppolo. The Eagles since two thousand and Jeffrey Lurie took over that franchise in the late nineties. Since two thousand, twenty three years, they've been to the playoffs fifteen of twenty three in the century. And this is their third Super Bowl, 2004, and then 2017 when they won, and Mm -hmm. now this one. And when we talk about the best organizations, we don't ordinarily bring them up. Are they kind of sneaky, one of the best organizations in football? I think so. I think they are, you know, run well. They they do a good job of hiring the right people to, to think about this. They went to the Super Bowl in 2017, won it. They have a completely different head coach and, as you said, a completely different quarterback. They, they made a transition in that span of six years to say, OK, we won this. Normally, you would assume that at least the quarterback would still be around to help you win that Super Bowl. They went in a completely different direction. And now they are back with a guy who, you know, came in and took over for Carson Wentz when everyone was kind of feeling like Carson had lost it in Jalen Hurts. You got Nick Sirianni, who 
stunk it up his his initial press conference mm-hmm. and and people were kind of looking at them like what the well why did you hire this guy but has shown that his players love playing for him he's a guy that they follow that they they trust and so now you're right back into it and i think it, it does do it has to deal with leadership and making sure that they ha- hire the right people up top for coaches and then get the right people on the field and 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 the trade for aj brown this mm-hmm. season was a was a outstanding deal for the Philadelphia Eagles. They went out and got him. Devontae Smith is a number one receiver. A.J. Brown is a number one receiver. And so you got two number ones. You got guys that are going to be able to get the ball to and make big plays. And that has been one of the biggest key factors for this offense this, this entire season. And the other thing is, along those lines, you – draft a guy like Dallas Goddard and you have the guts to trade Zach Ertz who was a big part of the Super Bowl champion you have a 40 year old Jason Peters and you let him walk at 38 and you've got a guy like Vailata and by the way understood that the guy that you drafted high was not going to be your left tackle so you get a late pick and you pick the player and you play the player rather than the draft pick so those are things now as you know I'm I'm a big advocate of stability. If I were a fan of a team, I would prefer to do what the Steelers do, have three coaches since 1970. But one thing about Jeff Lurie, he understood that things were getting stale with Andy Reid, moved on from him, and knew that, or at least felt like he had maxed out with Andy Reid. So he moves on to Chip Kelly, understands very quickly that it's not working with Chip Kelly, thought he was going to try something new in the NFL, said after two years, this isn't working, we're going to move on to Doug Peterson. Goes and wins the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson. For whatever reason, there was a level of dysfunction, which may have been a product of Carson Wentz, as it turns out. But he moves on from Peterson and then hires, despite the opening press conference, of the right guy in Sirianni. And he also, there was a lot of calling for the head of Howie Roseman, their general manager, and when... When Kelly was there, he got control, and Roseman had been demoted. And when he, when Lurie recognized that Chip Kelly wasn't the guy, he put Howie Roseman back in charge. And now they have the most talented roster in the league. They have done. I mean, they they are a team, a franchise that, you know, if they do, if they get it wrong, they're not. A, they don't seem like they're afraid to to correct it. They drafted Jalen Rager one pick mm-hmm. ahead of Justin Jefferson. Jalen Rager is no longer on the Philadelphia Eagles. He's they, a teammate of Justin Jefferson. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so you 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 realize, ah, you know what? We blew that one. We made a mistake. Let's go out and get us a number one receiver in A.J. Brown because we could have had him if we'd have drafted Justin Jefferson. We didn't. We made a mistake. But they are a franchise that I, I think as a player, you can appreciate a team, an organization that says, okay, we drafted this guy. He's not as good as this guy. I, t- I tell the story all the time in Pittsburgh. We drafted two guys. We drafted one guy from Rutgers, and we brought in an undrafted free agent from Rutgers, both of them offensive guards. One was a fifth rounder. One was an undrafted guy. The fifth rounder got cut. The undrafted guy was the starting guard for us when we won the Super Bowl. Sometimes you make the mistake and and don't pick the right guy, but understanding that in order to win championships, you have to play the right people, not the people that are getting paid. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles are doing that. And and also, when they had so many injuries on the defensive line, they went out and got mm-hmm. Ndamukong Sue, who who made the big play to get Josh Johnson out of the mm-hmm. game. Sue. So you you are willing to go out and get guys that you know can help your team, uh, help your team win games, and and that's what they've done all season long. They've been the best team all season long. I know they struggled a little bit down the stretch, but that happens when your quarterback is out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes in the Philadelphia Eagles' way because I think they've been the best team all season long. I wouldn't be surprised either. One other point, 
it does seem like there are a lot of instances, specifically with the draft, where teams try to justify a pick. You, the, the Rager situation there is a perfect example mm-hmm. of a team that recognized, hey, we screwed up, we're just going to move on from screwing up. But some teams screw up, and the, the guy just remains on the roster. The commanders are notable for this, like that Josh Doxson receiver, yeah. right? He, he First round pick didn't work out, but he was just, he, he was around forever. And it just seems like, by the way, the, the Packers, I think, are guilty of this too. Trying to justify a pick when it's time to move on from that pick. Yeah, and, and as I said, if you want to be a championship caliber team, you have to just swallow your pride and say, I, we blew this one. We messed up. This kid, this young man cannot play at the level we need him to play to be successful. And if we keep trotting him out there, it's not going to change anything. So I think they, the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles do a great job of that, just understanding, hey, when it's time to move on, move on and find someone that, can, that you can put in place to help us win games. One more thing. There is a reason that, For example, the Arizona Cardinals have never won a Super Bowl, that the Detroit Lions have never won a Super Bowl, that the Cleveland Browns have never won a Super Bowl, and that franchises like the Patriots and the Steelers and the 49ers and the Giants have. And when you look at the common denominator of the teams that have won a lot of Super Bowls and the teams that have not, ownership has everything to do with it. Mm -hmm. Bob Kraft, as much as I dislike him and by the way I don't hate him I just have a level of disdain for him and maybe it's because he's won six Super Bowls but he's done a good job of owning that franchise the Rooney family is one of the the shining beacons among NFL owners there's a reason that Jerry Jones hasn't won since 1995 because he's not very good. The DeBartolo slash York family in San Francisco has done a good job. The public ownership in Green Bay has done a good job. The Mara family has been consistent with the Giants. They've done a good job. But then you go down to the franchises that haven't won. And, Kerry, it's notable that the Ford family, the Bidwill family, now the uh, Haslam family in Cleveland, that the bad owners consistently lose. They do. And, and it's like anything, right, Randy? If you are a a bad business owner, you're not going to be able to make money or you're not going to sustain in that business. These people are billionaires, so they can hold on to their franchises, even though they don't they don't do well, because the the NFL is going to allow you to have a franchise worth more than mm-hmm. <laughs> anything, yeah, right, they, right. more than what you pay for, regardless of how poorly your your team is doing on the field. But the product that you have, who wants to show up to to, to watch a team? You know, win four games every season. Nobody. I it, did it. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, St. Louis. <laughs> but you don't want to. You don't go no, into we, it we saying didn't want to. <laughs> you, you're not going to the game saying, "I know we're going to lose ten of these this year. We're, I know we're going to lose twelve of them, but I'm going to show up anyways." You have hope that you're going to win, but again, it starts with, as you said, up top. You have to have people in the in the right positions that are going to hire the right people to make the right decisions to help you win football games. We had a guy that tailgated with us for the St. Louis Rams, and he drove in from Chicago every weekend. And he is a college basketball official in Chicago. And because one time he had a personal family matter at home, and one time he was he was officiating basketball, I believe, and somebody will text me the accurate part of this, but over the course of three years driving from Chicago to St. Louis every weekend for you know eight games a year, yeah. 
uh, 24 trips in, and he, this was 22, he saw the Rams win once in person. <sighs> what? Yeah. Randy, I, I feel yeah. bad for that gentleman. I, I too, yeah. used to make a trek to, to Champagne when mm-hmm. I was doing radio for, for – for three years, I, I, I was going, but I went to every game, so I did see more than one win. But it was about three or four a year, so I, I this was a way home and away game, so I understand his pain. Yeah, it, it was. It's hard. It's, awful, it's heartbreaking. You, you know what the worst part of that, Randy, is getting back in the car, asking yourself, "Why the hell do I keep yeah. driving here every weekend?" <laughs> <laughs> Sir, been, I feel your pain. I hope you're listening. Hats off to you. This, keep fighting the good fight. This may have been. A waste of time. May have been a waste Gas of time. Gas money, time. I'm spending four hours on the road, four hours home. I could be doing so many different things. Unbelievable. Carrie, yeah. Randy, opening drive, 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314 399 9646. That's 314 399 Yo-ho! Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And our text line is open 314 399 9646 Take It or Leave It. Kerry, I want to uh, ask you this Take It or Leave It as a former athlete because it happens all the time. Yesterday, when Kyrie Irving was traded to the Dallas Mavericks, Spencer Dinwiddie was traded to the Brooklyn Nets and found out that he was being traded. On the Twitter machine. Oh. Take it or leave it. You're surprised that this continues to happen. <laughs> Randy, I'm not. I, I, I don't know if I told you. I I, well, I can share it here now. I, I had an interview uh, for, mm-hmm. for a position a few weeks ago and, and found out via the internet <laughs> that someone else was hired for said position. <laughs> hmm, who'd have thunk it? You know? <laughs> hey, go fight an Illini. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it happens. You know, communication <laughs> should be so easy. And a member of my family just he he got promoted to a management position, and I told him I said the big thing about being in a management position is that you can't over communicate. You can't give your subordinates too much information, and that includes bad news. Yes. Why would Randy be a terrible boss? Because I hate giving bad news. I, <laughs> I would be crying when I fired people, and then they'd walk out the door with a raise. It'd be awful. So I, I believe that if you are a general manager, a pobo, whatever you are, the first call you make is to the player. Yes. It, it, before you before you sign off on the deal, before yeah, yeah. It, it, it gets to the point, it, it's unfortunate because we're talking about people's lives. And when you are, you're living in Dallas, I'm, you might have a family, a wife, kids in Dallas, you have everything going. And then 
you find out via the internet. Here's how it happens. People start texting you and calling you. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, what's going on? And you're like, what? What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And then you find it that someone sends you the screenshot or they send you the link and it says, oh, you've been traded to Brooklyn uh, uh, or or Mm -hmm. Toronto or wherever. It is Mm -hmm. you are leaving your home and having to be forced to go somewhere else. Now, people will, well, you're getting paid millions of dollars. That's fine. That's understandable. It's a job. You still have to do it. But at the end of the day, it does, it is an adjustment for you and for your family to try to figure out how you're going to manage this and and, and what is going to be, you know, what the day-to-day is going to look like. Because now, I'm not here every day, and I have to explain to my wife and my kids, I got to go work. And so it, it take the, the the person, the human element into it because yeah. that is important. And it is, I think, poor leadership, poor management does not communicate effectively. Right. I, I, one of the things that I, I will always tell people, one of the best coaches I've ever played for was Kirby Wilson. He would give you the worst news you had to get, and, and he would tell you, hey, this is, it is what it is. He told me <laughs> before we were getting on the flight to go to New England, hey, I know you've been doing third down. You've been in third down back all week. You're not going to do it tomorrow. It is what it is. Sorry, it's not my choice. I just got to let you know because if I let you get into this game and third down comes and I have to pull you and say, hey, no, you're not going, you might kill me on the sideline. <laughs> so I want to tell you before we get on the plane, let you process it. You're going to be mad. Figure it out, and we'll talk about it when we land in New England. And and that, to me, it was the best way to go about it because he told me prior than me finding out the first third down and realizing I'm not going yeah, out there. Just communicate. So just communicate. Uh, for me, Randy, take it or leave it. The Philadelphia Eagles, they were number three in offense this season. They were number one in scoring defense and, 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 and differential, point differential, uh, turnover differential. If they win the Super Bowl, they could go down as one of the greatest teams to play this, to, to, to the greatest teams to win a Super Bowl in the in the Super Bowl era. I will take it, and the, that's kind of sneaky. It's not up it on is. us, right? <laughs> Great <laughs> yes. point differential, and especially, I think it's fair to take out the two non-Hertz games. Yep. So uh, I'm with you. I, I think they are. And by the way, the Super Bowl champ with the greatest point def- differential ever, 1999 St. Louis Rams. So they'll be in that realm. Yep. In the conversation. Yeah, and by the way, greatest Super Bowl, well, the, the greatest, and it really doesn't matter because they're L-O-S-E-R-S, but for a regular season, the, the highest point differential ever was the 2007 New England Patriots, yep. but we all know how that ended. They didn't They didn't finish the deal, unfortunately, or gotta, fortunately for us. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> Thank, thanks, thanks, New, thanks, thanks Eli, New York. Thanks, Eli, for saving the world. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, Matthew, what do you got? Um, Take it or leave it. Bring Alex Reyes back on a minor league deal. Yeah, I'll take it. Why not? Hey, can I? Brad Thompson was uh was pro that on the fast on Friday. Yeah. Can uh, Carrie and I and John Mosaic? We love you. We know you're listening. Uh, Gersh, we know you're listening. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Trevor Rosenthal's looking for a gig. Trevor Rosenthal's still pitched, in good shape. Yep, pitching a World Series is going to work out for teams next week. I've said all off season. What, Carrie? I told the. the Trevor, this yesterday, with you standing next yep. to us, I said, I've been telling Kerry all offseason what the Cardinals need is a guy down in the bullpen with experience that's been through the wars. Yep. This is a guy that holds the all-time Cardinal save record with 48. He's pitched in a World Series. He, he's been, he's had to deal with adversity with, with his yep. injuries. You And he wants to be here. Yeah. You couldn't have a better guy to add to that bullpen than Trevor Rosenthal. So guys... Go to the workout, watch him throw 98, and let him be a part of your bullpen because he would be a huge advantage. I agree. And as I said, still in great shape. Yeah. And by the way, 
a wonderful human being. He is. You, he you is. add that to the mix, yep. you have to, right? Yep. Take it or leave it. NHL All-Star jerseys were too confusing with the same colors. Crockett the Tubbs shoots and scores. <laughs> Take it. Take it. Yeah. That was really good. Go. So Vladdy didn't really have a goal in three assists? <laughs> Take it or leave it. A good All-Star game will motivate Vladdy to score more coming up in the next few games. How is he going to score when he's wrapped in all that bubble wrap, Randy? Yeah, that's the thing. I have to be very careful if I'm the Blues about playing him. And yeah, hopefully... He'll be motivated to score. I, I don't think that Vladdy has been unmotivated. And I just want to say he's he's not yeah. not trying to score. No. He's he's trying. Yeah. He just hasn't been going for him. Hey, the reality of the situation is everybody plays better when they're on a better team, and the Blues yeah. just aren't that great. I mean, I'm a Blues fan. I want them to win, but yeah. I'm also rational enough to recognize that That's this a- year they aren't that great. He said a key word there: rational. That's, yeah, you have to. You have to try to be. I like this one right here. <laughs> Take it or leave it. There will be two top 10 NFL QBs who will play on different teams next season. Top 10 NFL QBs. So one, Aaron Rodgers, I think we can all say still is top Derek 10. Carr? Is there, Derek is, Carr still top 10? Aaron, Here's my I thing. I th- the texter I may be alluding to a trade of Lamar Jackson. Oh, I think I'm going to leave that. I, I think I would leave that as well. Because I'm trying to find who else is a top 10 quarterback who could be on the move. Realistically, other than I Rogers. mean, who do we who do we consider top ten quarterbacks at this point? Like, I, I mean, has it you got Dak, Burrow, Allen, Burrow? Whoa, 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 whoa! You don't start it with so Dak. Sorry. Dak is gonna sorry. Mahomes, <laughs> you, if you can get to Mahomes, Dak, we'll get to him. Burrow, Hurts, okay, Allen, yep, uh, Dak, nah, Rogers. You, 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 what about what about? I'm gonna uh, leave Herbert. It. Herbert. I'm I'm gonna leave it. Okay, so Mahomes. Allen, Hertz, um, Herbert, Burrow, Herbert. Uh, That's five. You put T. Law up there, Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Okay. Six. Obviously, Murray uh, Brady is not going to be playing for a team, but Brady was on a team last year, so he was a top ten. Okay. Did He's you say a, Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. He's got to be considered in the mix. So we're up to eight. This is terrible. Lamar. Lamar. Okay, I would say Lamar. I don't think he'll be on another team. No, we're just saying yeah. top, ten. top ten. That's nine. So maybe Dak is ten. Dak, Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, like, Goff, Jared Goff. Jared, oh, Jared Goff actually played really well this year. I don't know how we keep over, overlooking him. He had forty four hundred yards passing, twenty nine touchdowns and seven interceptions. Pretty good. He had a really good year. Yeah. Like, and Kirk Cousins had a really good year yep. as well. So yeah, so I don't know where the second I don't know where the don't second one's coming. It, yeah, I think I would take Dak. It pains me to say it. I would take Dak over Kirk and Jared Goff, though. I think, based on no. what he should, uh, maybe not. Jared Goff played in the Super Bowl. He did. Why do we Why do we disrespect Jared Goff so bad? When because I say Sean we, I mean McVay, me. Yeah, Sean McVay traded him. Is that why yep. he, he lowered his value by trading him? Mm-hmm. Hmm. He'd, right Shame now, on you, Sean McVay. Uh, take it or leave it. You'd take Sean Mc, or you'd take uh, Jared Goff over Matthew Stafford. Oh yeah, take it. I would too. Yeah. Um, take. We got somebody here. Take it or leave it. You'd give Miguel, Miguel Sano a chance for this Cardinals team. I'm going to leave that, and I like Sano. Sano, excuse me. Yeah, he's um, he, he he's a big time bat, but I just I don't think with. The youth that they have. I don't think that his ultimate upside, and again, I like him. I think he, there were times recently where I would have loved to have had Sano, 
but I don't think right now he fits the profile of what the Cardinals need. He's only a first baseman or a DH. And I really think that they're okay with first baseman and DH. Yeah, God, he can pop it, man, that strikeout. It's not like they need more. more. They need swing and miss from the pitchers, not more swing and miss from the hitters. Yeah, right. That's That would be problematic. <laughs> that, come on now. Take it or leave it. The fans get to say goodbye to Vladdy at a home game before he's traded. Yeah, I'll take it. Why not? You think he's going to be out there on the ice and and one of the deals where they uh, Just let him wave the stick around with everybody <laughs> and, and maybe he'll be the first star. Play him against Arizona on Saturday, and then they go on a three game trip, right? You don't want anybody. You you don't want him to get hurt though. Yeah, but I think you have to play him. You probably still have to showcase him a little bit. The last yes. thing the other GMs aren't going to trust the All Star game because everybody scores in the All Star game. They do. So you have to probably play him in a game, and then. So let's see, you've got, uh, what do we got here on, after this week off? We've got Arizona here. Oh, you got a lot of home games. you got a four-game homestand coming up off the break. Arizona, Florida, Jersey, Colorado before they go on the road and then come home to wrap up February with three. So there's a lot of home games left for Vladdy to play here. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line. Coming up, spring training starts a week from today. Now, we always talk about what we like about the Cardinals, but what concerns do we have? We want you to weigh in with this next as well on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. Glad you are tuned in this morning. Kerry, it's amazing that spring training is here. Here we are in February, and a week from today, Cardinal pitchers and catchers will report, and then they'll get things going with a workout a week from tomorrow. And we are kind of sunshine lollipops here, as we should be. Sunshine lollipops and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. So... I, I'm an optimistic guy. I'm a, a glass three quarters full kind of guy. Not even half full, three okay. quarters full. I'm always thinking the best. And I know that some people are inherently negative, and that's fine because we all have, <laughs> takes all kinds, right, to have this world survive. But we've talked a lot about the Cardinals and the potential if they have the lineup healthy and if they have the pitching healthy. But there are, for those that are willing to look at you, we use the word rational 
a, a little while ago. If we are rational, we have to have concerns that are legitimate concerns about the Cardinals. And Kerry, it's it's funny because for me, the success of this team comes back to who? Who does who, who does the success of this team always come back to for me? Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty. Yeah. And if Jack is not healthy, then the Cardinals have serious problems. Yeah. That is my primary concern. Here's my other concern, and this. I I hate that this scares me, but it does. (laughs) I am worried about the fact that the Cardinals have so many players that are going to be playing with the instant intensity of the World Baseball Classic. They aren't going to have a chance to ramp up and prepare for a season like they normally do because they're going to be playing with postseason intensity before they have a chance to have a spring training. Goldie, Arenado, Michaelis, O'Neill, Newt Barr. Does that, does that not give you – see, you can look at it a different way. You can think that when they do get back and when they get into the flow of things, they're ready to roll. Mentally, they are. Mentally, they should be hamstring-wise, no. Yeah, I, I'm not there. <laughs> I mean, hey, how many people get injured in, in the World Baseball Classic generally? Are it there happens. a ton of injuries? Yeah, it happens a lot. Well, I mean, I think that's just knowing your body mm-hmm. and, and understanding you know, how to take care of yourself. And most of those guys are – they're veterans. They've been doing it long That's enough. A big they, key. they understand, you know, when to push, when to when to dial it back a little bit. So hopefully they take care of yep. themselves so that they are ready uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. So my, day. my biggest concern, though, heading into spring training, legitimately is the health of Jack Flaherty. I think if, for example, if Tyler O'Neill pulls a hamstring in spring training and he's out for six weeks, yeah, Jordan Walker. Right. Jordan Walker's going to strike out a lot, mm-hmm. but he's going to be good. He's going to play. Yeah. Uh, so you, you've got a guy that you're really excited about. If you get to spring training and for whatever reason, Brendan Donovan was a one-year wonder, you've got a couple of young infielders. Number one, you've got Gorman already on the team that people around the organization believe can play a representative second base. And then you've got Mason Wynn on the way. And mm-hmm. we, we were talking to a Cardinal person last night. They think that Wynn is going to be a superstar. So I'm, I'm willing to roll the dice on the lineup, guys. I'm not willing to roll the dice on another number one pitcher because the Cardinals just don't have another number one starter. Is there any other position? We talk about Flaherty and his injuries and making sure he's healthy. We talk about Tyler O'Neill and his injuries and making sure he's healthy. Is there any other position that if that person were to go down, you, you, the panic bus would be you would be driving it worried concerned one of the corner infield guys maybe if, if yeah yeah if and I just, Arenado. boy it's scary because I just assume those guys are going to yeah. be there right, <laughs> right. <laughs> we, that doesn't enter into our thought process Correct. at all yeah if just to put it bluntly if you lose one of those guys, you're screwed. What about if, if Wilson Contreras? What if he starts out slow and is not, you know, what we needed, what we expected him to be from from day one? What if it's a slow start for him and just not looking right? I think he can work his way up. He's he's a guy where if he's really struggling, if you have to hit him seventh, and mm-hmm. you, if Dylan Carlson has to hit sixth behind a healthy Tyler O'Neill, I still think that you can score enough runs. And and by the way. The guy's been so consistent and hits the daylights out of the ball at Bush Stadium. I'd be mildly surprised if Contreras wasn't an effective hitter for the Cardinals early on. There's one name on this list that we didn't speak of, and, and every time we mention his name, the text line goes mm-hmm. crazy. They, they get frustrated, and, and they seem they might, they probably are foaming at the mouth when they text but, in. Yeah, probably fo- they know who you're talking <laughs> about right now. Paul DeYoung. Yep. <laughs> we, yep. we were talking to some people last week, and, and they were saying how well he's been doing and, and potentially – maybe performing well enough or could perform well enough to be traded or 
have a chance to play again. And and if if we get to a point where Paul DeYoung is your everyday shortstop because of you know whatever is going on, you got to move Tommy Edmond to second base. Are you? How are you feeling about that lineup? If Paul DeYoung works his way into a position where he can play for the Cardinals, I look at it as a bonus. I take what I can get and then move on. Okay. And if and when he falls off, if if he's terrific for April and May and part of June and then becomes the guy that we've seen for the last three years, that's two and a half months that I have to get Mason Wynn a little bit more ready. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to You don't feel like you, you, he would be rushed at that point? Talking about Mason Wynn? I'm it? not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. But even then, if, if, if I've got DeYoung and Edmund and I have to move Edmund back to short and play Donovan at second, doesn't break my heart. I need to talk to a pitcher. Uh, we need to have a pitcher on to, to give us, to give me kind of the insight of, you know, triple A pitching versus major league pitching versus double A pitching. I, I need to know how vastly different it is because I think that's generally the concern. If you can field, you can field. It yeah. doesn't matter, you know, what level you're playing on. The ball isn't going to be hit harder at, at one level uh, than than necessarily at another level. But I, I want to know what the the big differential is from what you're seeing, and maybe I need to stand in the box and, and actually see it to, to understand what it looks like from a AAA pitcher, from a minor leaguer to a to a you know a, a guy that is doing it every fifth day in the majors. I know I have a guy that can do a description for us. Okay, we'll get him on this week. Izzy, yeah. Izzy, will okay. come on and tell tell us about AA, AAA majors and what the differences are. Compare and contrast those because for that, us. that's the that's usually the holdup for guys yep. making that transition, making the jump is is can they handle the pitching? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's how well will they be able to handle the pitching? You don't want them to start out struggling and 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 have no confidence going into their major league career. So understanding you know what the differences mm-hmm. and what the levels are, I think that would be good to know. So I, uh, by the way. Jason Isringhausen comes up in conversation often on the station because he's a beloved figure. We love him. They love him in the afternoon show. And on Friday, BT was reliving the story. Somehow they got down the uh, the rabbit hole of bounties and me putting a bounty on the head of that creep, Brian Bickle. And I had completely forgotten oh that Izzy had offered to contribute to the bounty on the head of Brian Bickle. Really? He was one of the people that texted in. Didn't know that. Yeah, he's a beauty. I love the guy. And so Izzy, if you're listening, just shoot me a text and we'd love to put you on the show here tomorrow about talking about pitching. Yeah. Is, what? Yes. Uh-huh. I, I'm going to just go back to the Carlos. Is it, is it, I'm legitimately concerned what the conversation is like in July if Carlson, Gorman, and O'Neill are all still if Car- if Gorman hasn't taken that step, and if if Carlson and O'Neill don't revert back to what we hoped they would be, I'm legitimately worried about what our opinion on this team will be if the, all three of those players don't succeed or they just don't they just don't have the pop we thought they were going to have because mm-hmm. I mean though, that's supposed to be the next six seven that's, that's supposed to be the next six years outside of you know Arenado and, and Goldie. And so I'm legitimately Here's, worried of what because the if, conversation, if those the perception guys is fail, so different. Right. If those guys fail, then it could very easily be. It would not surprise me at all. If those guys are hitting 130, that you could see an evening with an outfield of Walker, Newt Barr, and Burleson. Mm. They've got guys. Yeah. They, they, right? there, there are guys there, um, you know, just waiting. I, I, yeah. I, the thing you said that Ollie said uh, – uh, during his his speaking about the outfield, he hopes that Jordan Walker is 
dreaming about taking someone's spot, and he hopes that the guys are there are dreaming about no one is ever taking my spot. That's how you become a great team is when you have competition. You have to be able Bingo. to compete with the guys on the field, not in a way where it's it's divisive and you're arguing or fighting, but, hey, I'm coming. I'm trying to be a starter. And, and this guy is saying, yeah, you're never going to start over me. That has to be the mindset. And eventually the, be- the best player will play. But you have to have the mindset every single day that I'm going to work my butt off to be the starting right fielder, work my butt off to be the starting center fielder. No one's taking this job. It's mine. And, Kerry, one of the advantages the Cardinals have in regards to the specific players that uh, Rock was mentioning, nobody has the contract. Mm -hmm. Nobody is going to be played because of the contract. They're going to be played based on what they show on the baseball field. There you go. And that... To me, in terms of competition, it's really genuine. It's really authentic. It gives you a chance. That's all you want as a player is an opportunity. Yep. Give me the chance to, to to work my way and earn my way into a starting spot, meaning no matter what, we're, all things are even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoever the best man is to get the job. Yep. Kerry, Randy, good to have you with us on the opening drive. Coming up next, the Blues are off until Saturday when they welcome the the uh, Arizona, Arizona Coyotes. to town. That's, that's who it is. It's the, the Tempe Coyotes. They'll be here, and we're going to talk to Curbs about what he expects down the stretch in these last 31 games next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Gary and Randy, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend, the voice of the St. Louis Blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber, joins us as he does every single Monday morning, whether the Blues are in the midst of a bye week or not. Kerbs, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, I'm awesome. How are you? Good. So tell us how uh, the, the Blues play-by-play voice spends the bye week. Well, uh, what have I done so far? Uh I've got three daughters all in school and a wife that's a school teacher, so it's actually been good to be home just to help be around. Um, I've I've learned some different algebraic graphing uh, equations that I haven't dealt with since about the tenth grade. Um, Curves. <laughs> no, I haven't actually. Carry good. I've, I've taken over. I, I you know I. I we cooked up some chili last night. You know, it just you it's just been good just to be home, to be honest with you, and and not have. As you guys know in this business, it sometimes you can go on quite a run where you just don't even get back to back days off, and 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 just to take care of just a, a couple little things around the house that you need to take care of. So it's been good. So I t- I tell everybody that I talk to about math, and so I have a friend that's a math genius, and she does everything, but the curbs. Once they introduced letters into math, it was over for me. I had no chance. So algebra and I just do not mix. You know what? I was actually, uh, I was actually, I was, I was good at math. I actually went all the way through like calculus three in college, oh. and 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 I was getting a marketing degree while I'm working at the radio station and broadcasting on the side in college. And I'm taking this high level math classes, and I was really struggling in calc three and. I go in to see the math teacher, and and the math teacher looks at me and goes, what do you want to be when you get out of here? I go, 
I want to be a broadcaster. He goes, what in the hell are you doing in my math class? I said, I said, I don't know. I've always liked math. So I thought I'd maybe look at even potentially getting a math minor. And he goes, I'm going to give you the best advice I can give you. Drop this class. <laughs> now, me, being a stubborn pain in the butt, didn't think that that was his call. So he and I got into it. We ended up in a fight with a department head. And uh, still, I still made him teach me. I passed the class. But he's, he, he, in the end, was kind of absolutely right. In, in the field I am in, there's just absolutely no need to find the area inside a three-dimensional parabola. Yeah, I don't even know what you just said, Curbs. Nope, nope. Curbs, I know Rock asked you when he called you, but what? and you didn't get the answer on air. What did you think of the All-Star weekend and the All-Star game? I said I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so when that, you're okay, listen, I'm, I'm, I've always been honest with you guys. Like, so I'm just being honest there. I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll, I'll tell you this: I, 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 I watched highlights, okay, and I've read plenty. I know Matthew Kachuk had seven points. I know he won, won the, uh, you know, the MVP. That's that's really cool to see. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko had some. But even watching some of the highlights this here, watching these guys try to pass the puck on a two-on-one when the defenseman isn't even trying, it's just I, – I, I didn't find any thrill in that whatsoever. And, and so I, I think it's great for the market. Uh, I think it's great for the hype and the sponsors that, that they get it. I don't really know um, – I, I, I don't know what the true impact in terms of the game is because it's not hockey, um, and it sure as hell isn't playoff hockey which is the most exciting thing. that they, So, to, you know, to me, really, the All-Star, the best part of the National Hockey League is coming up in a couple of months, you know, in a month and a half, two months, and, that, and that's the playoffs. And there's no better way to showcase the NHL than the playoffs. So um, I, I think it's a great weekend all around in a lot of ways. Uh, getting a little too hokey for me on the skills competition. I thought about this idea. What if every single team had their own skill competitions and then the winners of those skill competitions met at the All-Star game? So you actually create, you know, something with the teams. But it's, uh, uh, I don't know, I guess I guess for kids and stuff like that, it was fun. But um, I don't have much more to add. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say I didn't watch it because I was going to be bored by it, but I realize I'm, I'm ripping my sport, which I feel bad about. Chris Kerber with us on 101. Then again, then again, it wasn't flag football, so we're okay there. <laughs> right. Look, Curbs, yeah. I actually said the flag football was more exciting. <laughs> I feel the same way. I normally I had no desire to watch uh, football players not tackle each other over the last five years, and so the, this was actually more exciting for me to see guys running full speed playing flag football, as crazy as that sounds. Listen, don't fool yourself. I broke my ring finger playing flag football in the seventh grade at Crestview Middle School, so it's a dangerous sport. Curbs, 31 games left after the Blues get things started again on Saturday night, and they they don't really have a particularly young team, although they do have some young players that I think all of us would like to see just to find out what the Blues have for the future. And I think I'm being realistic about their playoff chances. I'd love to see them go on a run and make the playoffs. And if they do, I will really like it. But at this point, would you like to see what the Blues have in terms of some of their younger players? Uh, not, No, not necessarily, Randy. And, I, and I'll tell you why. And I'm, More, I guess, general sports philosophy we could relate to any sport. 
I don't necessarily believe that that philosophy works. And the reason that I say that is it's one thing to call up a young player, but if you call up a young player that, you know, could be put into a disjointed situation uh, that, that could be put into a situation where there's more pressure on a coach on some of the other veteran players, where maybe you've got some sour guys or, or not sour guys. If you don't call up a young player and put them in the right positions to succeed, to me, you, you could end up doing a lot more harm than good. So uh, this philosophy of, well, let's just bring up the young guys and see what it goes. Yeah, maybe, maybe you do find a diamond in the rough that just hits it big and, and, and gets on a run. But I really do think that that's going to be more rare than anything. I think the the important part is the development. Like, like here's an example. And I'm not saying that this wouldn't happen, right? But Joe Hofer is playing really well down in Springfield. Mm-hmm. They've gone on a good run, all right? Are you better off bringing Joe Hofer up here to play, you know, some games and, and kind of see what he could do? Or are you better off continuing to him play down there, dominate? You know he's going to be here next year because he has a one-way contract, and you go. I, I think you still have to – you are better off keeping your cool head about you and putting these players that are developing in a, in a good, reasonable place to succeed. And there may be no better example of that philosophy than what we saw the Blues do with Jake Neighbors earlier this year. So, uh, it, 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 to me, if they're ready, they're ready. Like, bringing up a Tyler Tucker and letting him play the rest of the year, you, you, I think you're going to be fine there. Okay, I think that's, that, that could be a good thing. But it's not like you're just going to turn things over to young guys and say, go, go wheel around the league and see what happens. Because sometimes those bad habits could end up being worse than, uh, than not seeing them at all. It was earlier this year when the younger guys were coming up, neighbors and a few others, that, that Army said he was worried because the, the Blues weren't playing the game the right way. So, so basically you're saying let those guys come up and, and all figure it out together and see what you got going into next year. Is that Do you feel like that could be the best way to go about it? Or maintain the culture no, that they're uh, experiencing uh, in Springfield. That, yeah. Yeah, I, I think – honestly, guys, I think, you, I think you leave the guys where they're the most successful. So for, for me, for example, Logan Brown is here. Okay, so I guess to your question, to me, move Logan, if, 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 if move Logan Brown up the lineup and say, you know what, you're in the National Hockey League now, so we are going to put you in some top six minutes. Go figure it out. That part, I think, is more what you guys are saying on yeah. that. Alexandrov, gonna, guys like that. Yeah, Yeah. okay, so, so guys, like, like I, I mentioned just Tucker defensively, right? Guys that have shown they can play here, right, that – now, now you can get some experience here, and, and that part will be fine. I, I don't think you're putting Tucker in a bad spot if he played up here the rest of the year. I don't think you're putting Alexandrov in a bad spot if he played here the rest of the year. You know, because I, 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 you're not going to play Alexandrov as your, your top-line center, right? Right. But do you, move, do you move Logan Brown up in the lineup and say, okay, go get it? And Logan Brown's an interesting one to me because, you know, you got the big body and, and unfair to maybe compare him to Tage Thompson, but this is where I'm going to make a comparison. Tage Thompson had 35 points in his first 145 games, 35, right? Mm-hmm. And then exploded after that. And then look what's happened. Logan Brown hasn't played, I think what, 85 games. I'd have to look that up real quick, but I, I, I'm not, you know, he's, he's, he's between like 75 and 85 games total right. in his career in the NHL yet. So, if you have guys that are currently here, and if you're going to you know, make some trades of some of your UFAs, if you have guys that are currently here, move them up in the lineup then and see where you go. Play them 18 minutes a game. 
play him 17 minutes a game and say, go figure it out and see if they can figure it out for you. I'm okay with that with guys that are here. I'm not okay with just bringing up young guys to see what young guys can do because young guys surrounded by young guys in the National Hockey League, you typically don't get uh, a positive result. And I don't know that that's good for development. And you nailed Logan Brown, by the way, 82 games played. And Curbs, we're on the same page here because I wasn't talking about going down to try to bring up a Bull Duke. But a guy like Matthew Highmore, 26 years old, he's played in the NHL. He's having a good year at Springfield. He's got 44 points in 45 games. I'm thinking more along the lines of those guys that are that you know can play in the NHL now, but you don't know at what level they can play in the NHL right now. Yeah, and and you also have to trust, you know, Kevin Maxwell and the you know the GM in Springfield mm-hmm. and and what you know Doug Armstrong is hearing from Drew Bannister and the coaches and Daniel Kachuk and those guys down there because they may see and, and Tim Taylor, for example, great. They they may see some parts of the game that they say we know that this is not NHL ready. We just know, you know, so could a guy like Matthew Highmore fill in, you know, interestingly enough, with the different injuries, he wasn't one of the college yet. Could that happen if you need to bring some guys up after making some trades? It could, but I don't know that in the end, Randy, when you're talking really about the future of this organization, that you know, yeah, you will catch some lightning in a bottle. I, I just don't know how many guys down there we have with that spark and sure. it's just maybe an unfair comment, but there's not a, you know, you, like if you take an, if, if Alexander, if, if Bulldog comes out of junior hockey, he's what he's got 80 points in 40 games this year. If he comes out of junior hockey and plays in Springfield next year and he's lighting up the American league. And maybe you're talking about a rookie of the year candidate in the American hockey league. And he's getting that experience as a pro that that's maybe something that, that you're getting excited about. I just, there's not a lot right now. I think we're the same man. This guy's really becoming a prospect and lighting things up that that, that that really gets your juices going. Curbs, enjoy this week. Get some rest and relaxation and then be back for the stretch run that we hear uh, starting on Saturday night against Arizona here at Enterprise Center. Curbs, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, you guys. Have an awesome week. Talk to you in a bit. All right, take care. That's our friend Chris yeah. Kerber, the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. Coming up since uh, 645 this morning. <laughs> Carrie <laughs> and Rock have been working on a, uh, a fight question. So sometimes uh, when, when so, sometimes when I miss a question, that makes it sound more nefarious. Yeah, it does because it is. Sometimes when, so, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll miss a, a fight question, and uh, Rock, who Rock is fantastic about this, okay? But he's he, he, the hardest thing in the world is to find that line between a question that is challenging for me but allows somebody who's driving down the road and here's my philosophy about the fight if i and michelle always did this and and she's right and rock does it this way what the fight should be is a question that somebody who's driving down the road a typical sports fan Mm -hmm. can take a shot and say i think i know this but it's also got to be challenging for me too right so it's a hard thing but sometimes he'll ask a question like, in a five-year period, what uh, what NBA player had the most points? Which is kind of a gotcha question. It's not real trivia. Nobody would know the answer to it. But it's it's a hard thing. So anyway, I, I have the feeling that what's coming up is between 2004 and 2009, what NBA player had the highest percentage of points scored off of their shots? I kind of think that's my, that might be what's coming. I don't know. But the fight is coming. Anyway, and uh, Mike is back. 
Yes. Because of a controversial ruling. Very controversial. On uh, on Friday. He's he's back. And he's going actually for his second win, not his yes. third. Yes, we're, yeah, make sure we get that correct. Friday has been removed from the, the record books, uh, <laughs> much like the discrepancy between a- AFL and NFL numbers. Okay. So you, we removed Friday from the record books. It's tossed out. Mike has a win on Thursday, and he's going for win number two today on Monday. Got it. So the fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Mike. Mike, how are you doing, sir? Guys, all I can say is this was a hell of a time for my edible to kick in. <laughs> well, Mike, you <laughs> wasn't wasn't expecting that at nine eight thirty seven in the morning, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. Mike, last week you had uh, a questionable loss, and so we decided to bring you back to have you have another opportunity to fight. Friday didn't happen for the uh, for, for for a second win and and your path to the Hall of Fame. Are you ready to roll? I am ready, and I'm very glad that you guys let me do this again. All right, hey, I, I was I was rooting for you, Mike. I'm I'm on your side. Don't tell Randy. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. No, I, I absolutely won't. <laughs> Happy birthday to the Sultan of SWAT. Which National League team did the Babe, Babe Ruth, finish his MLB career with? Was it the Boston Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies, or the Cincinnati Reds? Oh, I'm got, uh, give me the choices again. I'm sorry. Boston Braves, Philadelphia Phillies, or the Cincinnati Reds? Boston Braves. Which second baseman holds the Major League Baseball record for the most gold gloves won at the position with 10? Is that Bill Mazurowski, Ryan Sandberg, or Roberto Alomar? Uh, Roberto Alomar. All right, Mike. Prior to this weekend, who was the last NBA player to be traded midseason after being named an All-Star? Is it DeMarcus Cousins, Carmelo Anthony, or James Harden? Gosh, for whatever reason, it tells me it's DeMarcus Cousins, but I'm going to say DeMarcus Cousins. All right, we have a lot of high-scoring hockey combinations in our bracket, but what is the which is the only family combination in NHL history with two players who each tallied a 50-goal season? Is that Keith and Matthew Kachuk, Henry and Maurice Richard, or Bobby and Brett Hall? Bobby and Brett Hall has to be. All right, we'll tally up our score and go get Randy Carricker. All right, Mike, how you feeling? How's the edible holding holding up for you? Well, since you asked me that question first, I must not be doing very well. (laughs) (laughs) You feeling you feeling good though, regardless. I mean, you got to be feeling good. No, 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 not now, not now. I'm not. (laughs) Well, Randy has just come back in. Randy, say hello to Mike again for the third time, trying to get his second win. Good to have you with us again. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate it. All right, Randy, you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Happy birthday to the Sultan of SWAT. Which National League team did the Babe finish his MLB career with? He was a member of the Boston Braves at the end of his career. Which second baseman holds the MLB record for the most gold gloves won at the position with 10? 
If I'm not mistaken, that's uh, Hall of Famer Roberto Alomar. All right, Randy, prior to this weekend, who was the last NBA player to be traded midseason after being named an All-Star? I will do the uh, the old lifeline here. DeMarcus Cousins, Carmelo Anthony, or James Harden? Mm. So, Harden was two years ago, but I think that was prior to the All-Star game. Mello was traded at the deadline by Denver to the Knicks. I don't remember Boogie getting traded during the season. Maybe he did, but that would have had to have been from like Sacramento. Yeah, he got traded. I don't I don't I don't think it's cousins. So I'm was Harden before or after the break and was he so that was fat Harden. Was he an all-star that year? Okay, I'm I'm going to say that Fat Harden was not an all-star. Though he probably got voted in, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Mellow. I'm going to go Mellow, who, by the way, after he got traded to the Knicks, wound up uh, inviting Stan Kroenke to his wedding. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. All right, Randy, we have a lot of high-scoring hockey combinations in our bracket, but which is the only family combination in NHL history with two players who each tallied a 50-goal season? Hmm. Well, you'd think right off the bat that it would be Bobby and Brett Hull. Um, let's see. Mark and Marty Howe never did. Um, Mario Lemieux and the Lemieux that played here never did. When they, the, the 1988 All-Star game was here, and the big thing was Gretzky versus Lemieux, and Mario Lemieux had a six-point game, gave the pickup truck to his brother. Hmm. It was nice of him. Very nice. I guess I'll go with uh, Brett and Bobby Hull. We have another tie, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Of course we have another tie. So again, Carrie, and I need Carrie to keep me honest here. Make sure I, I, make sure I read it. Randy's answer. Yes, Make sure please. I say Randy's answer, please. I keep forgetting to do that. Hold Make on, sure I say Randy's answer before yes. I, I give the total. So, Mike, you've done this already, but again, I'm going to say the question. We're going to give Randy a moment. He's going to write down his answer. You will then give your answer audibly. I will then, I will then because Carrie's going to remind me, say what Randy's answer was, and then we will do the whole sound effect and so on and so forth. Do you understand those rules, Mike? Yes, sir. All right, Randy, do you have a piece of paper to write down your um, answer? Find him one. Here we go. Okay, okay we we're ready. Let's do it. All right. Babe Ruth, the Colossus of Clout, changed the home run game in Major League Baseball history, leading the league in 12 of 14 seasons in his prime, including his record-setting 60 home run campaign. What was the lowest home run total he ever led Major League Baseball with? What is the lowest home run total that Babe Ruth ever led Major League Baseball with? I should say, I, I will say, led or tied for the league in Major League Baseball, just to head off anything weird. Randy, can you show me your answer, sir? Randy Carricker has his answer. Mike, what is your answer? I'm going to say 32. Mike's answer was 32. Randy Carricker's answer was 41. So who is the winner of this fight? Is redemption spelled M-I-K-E? Or does Randy Carricker roll on through an absolutely triumphant 2023? Ring that bell. The winner and star.
still champion of the fight. Average Joe listener. The fight is driven by mobile on the run. Join the on the run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Congratulations, Mike. Like I said, redemption looks good on you. You win with a 3-3 tie and then a win in the tiebreaker. We'll go right to the tiebreaker question. It was the Coloss- the Babe Ruth changed the home run game, the lowest total he ever led the league with in his fourth year in Major League Baseball. He led the league with 11. I was going to go 31. I w- I, I, that's why I put so much thought into it. I was going to go 31, and I went 41. It was 11. Two years later, he hit 54 to lead the league. So congratulations, Mikey. Get the win on the tiebreaker. You will be back tomorrow. It will be for win number three and for a shot at the Hall of Fame. Awesome, awesome. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Randy. You got it, Mike. Mike. Have a great day. Thank you, Mike. And we can't go through the questions because we got to get to a break. Yeah, and we're going to visit with uh, our buddy Chris Long, Super Bowl champ, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Here's the blitz on third down. Car in trouble. Chris Long, welcome back. Good to have you back, number 91. He records the Rams' second sack of the afternoon. Well, the hit parade continues. He takes, retreats, sets at the 30, has to avoid the rush, can't do it. Going down for a second time here in the first quarter. Chris Long has his second sack of the season. Play action for number two. Pump fakes, wants to throw. Now he's hit, holds on too long, and nailed back at the 20-yard line by Chris Long, sack number three on the year for number 91. Highlights from the St. Louis Rams days of the great Chris Long with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl champ. We head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and uh, Super Bowl champ from across the state, Philadelphia. Chris Long is with us. Good morning, Christopher. How you doing? Randy, what's the word, man? It's good to hear your voice. Hey, it's it's always great to have you on. I, I want to start with this, and uh, we we get it. Your football home is Philadelphia because they have a team. You won a Super Bowl. You re- were really embraced by that community, and there's a lot of guys that you played with in 2017. So, how excited are you about this week? I'm really excited. And so, you know, I got a St. Louis uh, Blues shirt on, and I was just on a Philly uh, show, and they asked, they were like, "What's up with the St. Louis shirt?" The week of the Super Bowl, I said, "I got to give." My first home, some love. So, you know, uh, it, it is weird when your team leaves uh, and you get released the, 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 the same year. It's like, you know, you kind of feel a little bit football homeless, you know. Like, I still have a great number of friends and supporters in St. Louis, but there's no place to come back to a game. So, you know, like, ending up with the Eagles, winning that Super Bowl, um, it definitely gives me a place to come home to. And, you know, like, last week I came back to uh, watch the NFC championship game with my family and it was really awesome. So, you know, it's, it's cool because there's a number of guys on that team who I played with and who won that first Super Bowl in 2017. And I think the interesting thing is in a five year span, you know, we were a young team with some veterans, you know, mixed in there through free agency and some guys who were there in 2016 uh, in 17, but we didn't have a lot of Super Bowl experience. And that includes, like, the guys who came in from, you know, uh, another team, like myself. LeGarrette Blunt had a lot of experience. Torrey Smith had some experience. But um, now those guys that learned how to win in 17 are the core of that team. You talk about, like, Jason Kelsey, um, Lane Johnson, a number of those veterans, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, guys who I played with. So, 
you know, it was really cool. And it was kind of surreal walking through the tunnel on the way out through like the press uh, area with my pops last week and seeing those guys celebrating like a hundred <laughs> feet away. And they're like my teammates, but um, you know, I'm on this side of it now. And so it's really cool to see that in person, uh, see those guys kind of get a, a second opportunity and they know what it's about now. Hey, Chris, you speak about, you know, guys you play with. You were able to go to back-to-back Super Bowls, and, and the Kansas City Chiefs have been to the Super Bowl a few times. The Eagles still have players on that on that roster that played with you uh, in those Super Bowls. What type of experience and, and how much value does that give uh, to the younger guys that have not experienced it yet that you can tell them what to expect and how this game is going to play out and how everything should go for the entire week? No question. I think, you know, that experience, like from a game standpoint – you know, when I got to Philly, Doug Peterson had a lot of guys <laughs> get up and talk to the team. And I was one of them, uh, you know, and say, hey, tell me what you've learned, this, that, and the third. And I'm kind of chuckling to myself because I was like, man, just a year ago, I didn't know anything about winning. <laughs> uh, you know, but now I'm like the resident expert. Uh, and my message to the guys was like, hey, listen, it doesn't matter who you are. I've seen guys, you know, uh, miss their assignment. 10-year veterans in the playoffs. We've all seen it. We've all seen guys that have no experience making big, pivotal plays. So from a game standpoint, I feel like the confidence of just, you know, like even if it doesn't matter, looking over there and seeing, hey, we got LeGarrette Blunt, He's been there. We've got, you know, Torrey Smith. We've got Chris Long. You know, that stuff, even if it is a, a, a bit of a boost uh, that doesn't have a huge effect on the game, like it matters because, like you said, the young guys, they're all uneasy. They don't know what the game's about. And so I think the biggest uh, edge that you can gain from having Super Bowl experience is knowing what the week's about, not the game. You know, the game is – it's the game. You know, there's more pressure. It might be a little faster, but we've been playing for 24 weeks, including the preseason. Uh, what, what it is, is a totally different animal when you touch down in Phoenix or in Houston. For me, my first Super Bowl – and I can just remember the feeling of going up to my room, and I used to on the road, like, go up to my room and get some quiet time and just kind of lay on the bed and hear nothing, you know. But when I got to Houston, I can vividly remember going up to the room and laying down, and all I could hear was helicopters and people in the lobby and <laughs> people outside and just, like, throngs of people. And so it really set the tone for the week. It was like, this is going to be way different to to the point where each night there's different parties and, like, people asking for tickets and family members in town. And, you know, even the owner has a meeting or, you know, a party on Friday night. I want to watch film and go to bed, you know, but I got to go show face at this party. And, um, you know, it's just that whole week's like that down to the, the bus ride in to the, uh, to the halftime, how long the halftime is going to be. So there's a lot of the pageantry type traditional stuff that I think guys got to get used to. And that's where the vets can really help is like this week is going to be non-standard the media day, the whole thing. Like, how do you keep your week as close to what it is the, the, the previous 24? And I think that's the biggest battle. The great Chris Long with us on 101 ESPN. And you, we're going to talk about Chris Long's week at the Super Bowl. The, the Green Light podcast is incredible. By the way, I, didn't, I, I wasn't aware of the way that you approached road games. I thought your first two years in the league, you just went up to your hotel room on the road, put your pillow over your head and cried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, after the, cu- the first couple, I think I was uh, I was broke in, and uh, 
Yeah, I just tried to get a little quiet time. Yeah, that was all I was doing. I was watching, uh, I was watching like uh, pay per view movies and that sort of thing. But you, you can't do that at the damn Super Bowl because you can't hear it. There's too many people outside. Hey, Chris, one of the reasons that I texted you last week, I texted you on the day that Brady retired because, as you know, you listened to me enough. You know that I wasn't a huge Brady fan. And by the way, I became one once he went to Tampa. But you kind of sold me on him when you told me the story about when you walked into that locker room for the first time. Tell us uh, the people that didn't hear that story about Brady coming up to you. Yeah, I always tell this story and it's, you know, to people on the outside, they might not think it's a big deal, but I, you know, I think the way Brady conducted himself in New England really impressed me as a teammate and that sort of thing. And that's why I was really on his team uh, going forward, watching him play. I was, you know, I was rooting for him and that sort of thing. And uh, what a great career. But, you know, when I walked into New England, I'm one of thousands of vets, it feels like, that's walked in there kind of headhunter type guys that are there for a year trying to, you know, misfit toys that are trying to get a ring. And I remember walking in and I was a, a good player in the league and the whole thing, but you know, you're talking about Tom Brady and I remember shuffling through these double doors and we were going out to like a walkthrough or in the lunch and Brady walks right up to me and extends his hand and he's like, uh, Hey Chris, what's up, man? I'm Tom. Nice to meet you. And I'm thinking to myself like, <laughs> You absolutely need no introduction. <laughs> On top of that, like, who am I? You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I think most people think, oh, it's, it's a coworker greeting another coworker. It's That's the way teams are. But there's a lot of people on a football team. Tom's been, been there 20 years. And I watched him treat everybody in that building with respect, you know, to the last man in the building. Um, and, and that showed through the first time I met him. And I just thought to myself, like, you know, this is a guy that wants to connect with everybody in the room. And I think the duality of being that guy, being cool enough, you know, quarterbacks are in this weird space where it's like you want to be cool, you don't want to be too cool, you're like kind of separate from the team, but you don't want to be, you, 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 you don't want to be too mysterious, right? To, to walk that line and to be the guy that can chew you out on the sidelines and, you know, get after the O-line and, and throw what some people call a tantrum, but I think – you know, when you look at leadership in the NFL, like guys yell at each other, man. Like guys get get down each other's throat on stuff. And I think Tom being able to do both things is what made him really special. Like he, he could definitely strike fear in your heart, especially if you played receiver. Uh, but he was also the guy that, you know, shot the breeze with you in the locker room and was down to earth even though he's dating Giselle and, you know, he's a superstar and he's just on another echelon of fame and, and, and skill. So, Chris, last week we had the unfortunate passing of Bobby Hall and we had the Kelsey brothers both going to the Super Bowl. So Randy, Rock, and I decided to to do a family bracket for best sports families in, in all the sports. And your your family, you, yourself, Kyle, and, and your father, Howie, were matched up against the Matthews family. And I want to let you know you all came out on top, but now you're going up against the Watt family. When you think about your family and, and what you all have done and, and really the legacy of so many families throughout all the sport, what is that what is that what do you think about that and how does that make you feel? Well, it's crazy to me, you know, like just just the odds of getting to the league are so low, right? And, you know, like to see some of these families where there's two two brothers or a dad and a kid, because you know, it's no sure thing that if you play ball, your kid's going to be able to just play football. They act like it's all just genetics or this, that, and the third. Well, where are all the, the Hall of Famers kids playing football right now? It should be one for every every one of them. And so I just think it's just, like, crazy when you look at the odds of just getting there. And then, you know, like my brother playing a long time, and I was able to play a long time. And, 
you know, you mentioned some of these other these other duos. It's insane to me because you know Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey are two different body types, <laughs> two very different positions. You know, their pops didn't play. Just the just the, the the sheer unlikelihood of them being not only both in the league at different positions, but two of the best of all time at their respective positions. It's crazy. So when you match us up against the Watts, I think it's going to have to be the Watts. I mean, you have to you have to take into account here that like, okay, Howie Long is a Hall of Fame guy. Okay, JJ is uh, you know first ballot Hall of Fame guy. They're both two of the greats that ever played defensively in the league. And then T.J. Watt's well on his way to being that guy, too. So I just think at some point you've got to take into account the top-end speed of multiple guys in a family. And I just think like the Watts, uh, they should cru- – not cruise, but they, they definitely should advance past the longs. It's just crazy to me, like all these great players that, that, uh, that we've seen. And then the Watts got another brother, too, that plays fullback. Yeah, uh, don't so- forget about the fullbacks, Chris, please. We, we need can't love. Fullbacks, man. <laughs> you know, it's one of the one of the most important positions in football. Even though go. some people have disregarded it, but like, and the and you know, Cam Hayward, he's got a brother that plays as well. Uh, you know, there's just a bunch of great football families out there, and it's incredible to me every time a new a new uh, little duo pops up. The Diggs brothers, the whole thing, just the sheer unlikelihood of of how great both players are. Hey, Chris, I had a quick question because you also had a bracket last year or a year before, you and George Foster, uh, that disappeared, the outcast bracket. What happened? I, I was I was all in, and it just yeah, it didn't finish. The outcast bracket was great. I think we did wrap it up, but by that time it was so buried. You know, when you do a bracket, it's really hard to follow the links and everything and the retweets and the quote tweets. But, you know, I'm a big outcast fan. I forget who I had in my final four. Uh, but me and George had a ball with that, man. Uh, who'd you have in your final four? Well, I had, I had Rosa Parks was winning for me, and Elevators okay. is, is probably – those are my top two, but Rosa Parks is going to win that, no question. Uh, that's awesome. And that's a great <laughs> Y'all had him as a four seed. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did have him as a four, four seed. And, you know, some people are upset with some of the seeding, but it's so hard when you have a group that's got legitimately 64 great songs, and then you had to pick between, like, some songs from, like, Idlewild and all this yeah. stuff. <laughs> and then you know people want the artist storytelling part three and you're like damn we it's hard to everything yeah that just speaks to how great they are you're such a renaissance man you're unbelievable <laughs> okay i gotta have quick vote here okay so uh, because you're a d lineman i know how much you love the boses it was the boses and the mannings that was the 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 one seed manning against the a seed boses yeah I, I think it's the mannings because you know you wait the the quarterback position uh, pretty heavily, right? And just the fact that both the brothers won Super Bowls, the dad was a hell of a player, um, and Peyton's one of the best to ever do it. I don't think the Boses are at that point yet where we can say they're one of the best to ever do it, any of them, right? But um, they're great players. Okay, so Kelsey's and, and Sharps. Well. Shannon in the Hall of Fame. Sterling should probably be in the Hall of Fame against the Kelseys. Yeah, Sterling was super underrated, and you know, uh, just because of Shannon's visibility, I think a lot of people think it was Shannon Sterling, but I don't think that's necessarily true. I would go, I go Kelsey's just because they're because they're two of the best that ever did it their, at their respective positions, and so are the Sharps. But like Kelsey's one of two or three best tight ends ever, and and you know, you could make the argument for Jason as well. And that Matthews family, man, they were you guys beat the Matthews family. That's a tall task to beat the Matthews family. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I got great respect for that family. I mean, watching young Clay and 
um, you know, older Clay Matthews and all those guys, and then Bruce in there. So, like, they're just a hell of a fan. And, uh, Christopher, one last thing here before we let you go. And, by the way, we, we should mention that as Chris traversed his career, numbers 72 and 91 in St. Louis, 95 in New England, and then 56 in Philadelphia, those four numbers wind up being 314 when you add them all together. So that makes sense. But you're headed to, you're, you're headed to Arizona. What do you have on the Green Light Pod coming up this week? Oh, man, it's going to be fun. I'm taking my whole crew out there, uh, you know, some of our producers and that sort of thing, and some of the guys that I make content with. And we got an Airbnb, so we're going to set up and do some some, uh, some kind of in-person interviews. I, I think we're talking about getting Joe Montana, so that would be a lot of fun. And, you know, like guys like that, you know, because you never know who's hanging around Super Bowl. And then we're doing like a debate-style show for Miller Lite on Thursday, which people can check out uh, on my social and, and, and tune in for. But, like – we just it's really fun it's like as you guys know it's like the the repetition of being in the building with the same people every day and just talking sports and this is one of those holidays where we get to go and actually enjoy it and we're kind of on vacation together so it's gonna be a lot of fun and we're, we're building something so i'm excited that we get to go out there and make some content have a great time always great to hear your voice christopher if we can ever do anything for you and we'll do something during the off season with water boys and with all of the great things that you're doing to to help save the world but we know you're busy now and uh, it's always great to catch up with you thanks for the time yo it's great to hear y'all uh and i'll catch you soon all right brother take care okay that is the great Chris Long. Man, you talk about a guy who was just put in the wrong place at the right time because he was a yeah. hell of a player. But his first year, they go 2-14. and 14. His second year, they go 1-15. and 15, And that was a legitimately bad team. And then his third year is when Crocky took over and they started to kind of disassemble mm-hmm. things. And he's trying... Nobody gave more effort than right. Chris Long. He played right. games where he should not have been playing. So did you. Yeah. Every football player does. But he's playing for a team that's trying to lose. Yeah. it's he, he talked about when he got to Philly and they were asking him to speak to the team. He's like, hey, you're asking me. I, I just learned how to <laughs> win last year. year. <laughs> it was the best year, but I just learned how to do this. And, and you think about how many years. That's the thing about football is – you have so many guys that have such long careers and sometimes it doesn't go spectacularly. Sometimes guys struggle and he was fortunate enough to get to New England, win a Super Bowl, go to Philly, win another one. Some people don't have that story. So for him, I'm sure he was thrilled to understand, to go through the struggles in St. Louis, but to be able to call himself a champion at the end of the day. It's awesome for him. He, I interviewed him on draft day, and they had the number 72. I said, why didn't you pick number 75? He said, look, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> His dad, Howie, was 75. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the family, the greatest family in sports bracket today. We've got the hockey side, and that's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's Big Thing. And I don't... You can't trade him. You can't give up anything to get him because you don't know if he's going to sign an extension. I would not count on him. You got to go by his track record. Uh, Going back to Cleveland, going to Boston, what he's done in the last couple of years, I would be very hesitant to give him a long-term contract. I don't trust this guy at all. He don't seem like he's a good teammate. And as an organization, I don't see why you would have faith in him. That is Charles Barkley on PTI on Friday. When rumors of the trade request of Kyrie Irving first came out, he has since been traded to the Dallas Mavericks for 
Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, a 2029 first-round pick and second-round picks in 27 and 29. And the the Mavericks also get Markeith Morris along with Kyrie Irving. The big thing here, Kerry, as far as I'm concerned, is that Charles said, and I agree with him, Based on Kyrie Irving's history, he really can't be trusted by an organization. Yeah, he's a he's a guy that I mean, immensely talented, right? You you know that when he's locked in and engaged on the basketball court, there aren't many players as talented as Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the issue comes in, in in whether or not he's going to perform because whether or not he's going to be at work, and and that's I think what Charles is speaking of. I don't have an issue with with. Kyrie deciding or wanting to be traded. He wanted a, a, a long-term deal. The the Brooklyn Nets were not willing to do so, and his talent tells you that he deserves that, that type of money. So he has to be traded. The issue that I have now is if you're the Brooklyn Nets, it's time to blow it up. I mean, you lost yeah. James Harden. You got Ben Simmons in return who has not produced to the level that you need or, or wanted him to. You had to get rid of Kyrie. He's no longer there. And now all you have left is Kevin Durant. And he's been injured, you know, off and on uh, and, and injured right now. So I, I think that if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I'm looking to trade Kevin Durant as well. I am and, too. and really start from, from scratch with a new group of guys, new core of guys. And maybe Ben Simmons finds a way to get up out of there as well because, you know, you, you didn't get what you expected on that return. Turn and right now, I, I'm I'm from the Brooklyn Nets aspect from their perspective. It may be time to just part ways with all of it. Yeah, and boy, for all it, it's amazing. Two years ago, it was Harden, Kyrie, yeah. and Durant, and we thought, boy, they're going to win a championship. And, and they were a toe away from from yeah. beating the, the the Milwaukee Bucks and possibly playing for a championship if they if they continue. But you know, it, it's. That's how sports goes. That's why I'm so adamant about winning that championship when your opportunity presents itself because you know you have no idea what's going to take place or what's going to transpire, you know, the next year or, or two years from now. For Kyrie, I I I feel like this move to the Mavs, we're going to see something. I mean, him and Luka playing together is going to be an interesting thing because mm-hmm. both of them they're going to handle the ball, but but Kyrie has no issue uh, with distributing the ball as well. So I think he's going to be playing with another great guy, and we get to see Luka playing with a great player probably for th- this is going to be the best teammate that, teammate that he's had in his career to see how well he is able to play at his level now. I also wonder how Kyrie will interact with Jason Kidd. As and, and that coach. is an interesting Ooh, thing because one. he didn't respect Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. I think he will respect Jason Kidd and and I, I just I think that he is uh Jason Kidd doesn't strike me as the person with the demeanor to you know tuck his tail and run away from mm-hmm. confrontation. No, he, no. <laughs> he strikes me as a very strong-willed, strong-minded coach and and is unafraid to challenge his players. Here's my thing about Kyrie Irving maybe having to play second fiddle, second, you know, B, you know, the B guy. He thought he was guy, better than LeBron in his prime. Exactly. Yeah, no. To a guy like Luka. Not he's been that, the B guy for every team he's been on, yeah. except exactly. for the Celtics. Here's, here's the crazy thing about him. He shoots better off the dribble than he does as a spot-up catch-and-shoot shooter from deep. That's insane to me, and it might be the most indicative stat I've ever seen of a guy being get my own shot, not necessarily in the offense kind of player. Yeah, right. We have our greatest family in sports bracket going on right now. We've got the hockey bracket going on. You can follow either Matthew Rocchio at Rocky SPN, Randy Carricker at Randy Carricker, Kerry Davis at Kerry Davis 38. And here's where we are right now. The Hulls are leading the Kachucks 
80.6% to 19.4%. So the Hulls are running away with that one. And by the way, you have 24 hours to vote. We'll have the results tomorrow. We also have the Richards and the Sedines. The Richards up 51.5% to 48.5%. Sedines notable as the only sisters to be on this bracket <laughs> in hockey. Uh, the uh, the Howells. Uh, not the only, I like how you said in the hockey region. You're yeah, right. Right, right. Yeah. yeah we got another set of sisters. They're pretty good. So you've got, uh, this is unbelievable. Yeah. You've got Brent Gretzky. Shall we get Brent Gretzky's official NHL stats for you just so that you know what you're voting for? <laughs> I put it on there. <laughs> Does it? Okay. You put, put, it, the, you yeah, put I, his stats I, okay. on there? Yes, because I, I refer to them as the good yeah. and the great ones. Wayne, 2,857 points. Brent, four. four. Four points, and they're going against uh, Gordy, Mark, and Marty Howe, and and Vic. That was Gordy's brother, right? The Howes and the Gretzkys. Wayne Gretzky leads the house <laughs> 76.7% to 23.3%. And it's legit because they both played. So Wayne Gretzky and uh, and Brent Gretzky, the good one, are leading the house. And then the final one, the Espositos. This is surprising to me because Phil Esposito was arguably the greatest forward during the 70s. And the Sutter brothers, uh, and Tony, by the way, his brother, goalie for the Blackhawks, maybe that's like why they were three Vesnas. Yeah, he was great. They have so many trophies. And the Sutter brothers were fantastic. Okay, Brent, Brian, Dwayne, Daryl, Richie, Ronnie. So you had the, I just named them all, mm. the, the brothers. And three of them played here, so that helps. By the, by the way, I never noticed this, but it, they're literally named Brian and then Brent, mm-hmm. Daryl and then Dwayne, and then Rich Richie. and then Ron. I love the fact <laughs> yeah. that their parents were like, we got this, we're going to change it up every two. And then the honorary. Uh, was Bob Bass, and so it was Richie Ronnie Bass. That was one of the lines here in St. Louis. <laughs> but the Sutters are leading the Espositos, 83.8% to 16.2%. We want you to vote in our family bracket. Brent Gretzky, 13 games played, one mm-hmm. goal, three assists. What a stud. Yeah. The good one. 13 <laughs> games played. Good. Yeah, hey, four points in thirteen games, not bad. So we, he's in the bracket. He's in the bracket. <laughs> four points in thirteen games. Me. I, Wayne Gretzky <laughs> is in thing, the bracket. Here's my thing: yeah. if, if you're going <laughs> to yeah. vote for the Gretzkys over the House, then I think you should be voting. You know, even with the St. Louis bias, I think then if your logic is, well, I'm going to pick the one with the best players. I don't care about the amount of stars. Then shouldn't you be voting Espositos over the Sutters as much as I love them? Well, no. This is this is very subjective. We're allowing people to vote for their favorites. I mean, that's the thing is, I, is you know, it's so ma- there's so many in one of the families, but the other ones just they got two and they're really high. Hey, would you be surprised, especially after that interview we just did? Would you be at all surprised if the Longs would beat the Watts? No, I, 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 wouldn't, I, I wouldn't. Even no. though he said the Watts probably Better. should. Yeah, yeah, right. I wouldn't be surprised either. Kerry yeah. and Randy, it's the opening drive 101 ESPN coming up with Vladimir Tarasenko's performance in the All Star competition. Should the Blues try to trade him as soon as possible so they can avoid an Injury to Vladdy? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary and Randy on 101 ESPN. And an interesting story at the 
NHL website, NHL.com. This was not a local story. It was a national story, and actually it was the headline yesterday at NHL.com. And let me just read you the first couple of paragraphs, Kerry. It said, Vladimir Tarasenko regained his elite offensive form in the 2023 Honda NHL All-Star Game at Florida Live Arena on Saturday. A reminder to the rest of the league that a high-caliber score could be available before the 2023 NHL trade deadline on March 3rd. The St. Louis Blues forward, a potential unrestricted free agent after the season, had four points on a goal and three assists for the Central Division in a 6-4 win against the Pacific Division. And Jason Robertson, who's probably the most prolific goal scorer in the league right now in terms of speed and shooting accuracy, said, I remember watching Tarasenko when I was 15 or 16. I always admired his release and shot. I didn't think a lot of guys in the NHL had that deception, the way he could just pick corners. So I always admired it a little less now that we play against him. But he's always had that. He showed it off today. And wherever he goes, whatever he does, he's going to continue to do that. That's a fellow NHL player talking about what he believes Vladimir Tarasenko can accomplish right now. I have to believe if a player is, is, is saying that, the general managers are thinking that. Yeah, you. that's the the highlight, the, the good thing about playing in an All-Star game or being involved in it. Other people get to see you. I mean, we've seen them, you know, throughout the, the entire season, and we are at times a bit frustrated with the lack of goal scoring and, and, and points being made, but when other people get to see flashes, that reminds them of what they already have in their mind. And and they already think a certain way of them. And if you go out and perform or produce in that manner, that only helps in, in believing what they already thought. So it may be the best time for, for Vladimir to be traded. He may be at his highest at this moment because he had a good performance in the All-Star Weekend. And, and people, there were a lot of eyes on that. And people just gravitate to the last thing they saw, right? So if I'm Armstrong, I'm on the phone today. I'm Mm -hmm. on the phone throughout the course of the week before the Blues play Arizona on Saturday. Vladdy does have an injury history, especially with the shoulder, and you don't want him getting hurt before March 3rd. So, CD, I would think it would behoove the Blues. And again, we need to note that there's a very good chance that they'll lose Vladimir Tarasenko for no reciprocation if he leaves in free agency. There's a 100% chance. So they almost have to trade him if they're going to get something back in return for him. My advice to them and my hope would be that they would trade him as soon as possible. And if it's this week, just get your best deal this week. Yeah, get what you can get. And and like you said, Randy, hopefully he doesn't get out there and get injured again. He's missed some time uh, throughout the season. He was sick a few times, had a broken uh, hand. And, mm-hmm. and, and so you want to make sure that you keep him healthy because – <laughs> he's probably not going to be here next year. You would like to get something in return for him. Um, but sooner rather than later. It, we talked about this. Even if the Blues come out in this 10-game period over the after the All-Star break and go 8-2, and two, or Curbs, uh, was it Curbs or, or Panger? One of them said even if they go 10-0, and 0, they still don't believe that this team is is not selling. Come, yeah, that was, uh, that was J.R. Was it Jr. Yeah. He, he, even if they go 10-0, they, he still believes that they're going to be selling. There will be sellers at the trade deadline. So, Get it done. What what needs to be done eventually should be done, you know, sooner rather than later. And I, I want to give this stat here because I think it's very important. And it's something that teams, managers are going to look at. And it's goals per game in the playoffs. Right now, in the NHL, the only players in the league that have more goals per game in their playoff careers are Jake Gensel, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Braden Point, and Alex Ovechkin. Those are 
some pretty good names, right? Yep. Gensel kind of like not like the others. The other guys are Hall of Famers. McKinnon, McDavid, Point, Ovechkin. Vladimir Tarasenko is sixth among active players in goals per playoff game. That's something, regardless of what he's done this season, that other general managers are going to look at. They're going to say, okay, does this guy perform at the most important time of year? And he clearly has in the past. He has, and and you know he'll be more than likely doing it somewhere else instead of in St. Louis. Yep. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk to one of Kerry's former teammates, as a matter of fact, the guy that helped Kerry win his Super Bowl, Santonio Holmes, next on The Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gets the snap. He scrambles around, throws it back corner of the end zone. Santonio with a touchdown! Santonio home! I don't know how he did it! Dominique Rogers Cromartie doesn't know how he did it, but they rule touchdown in the far right corner of the end zone. What a throw, what a catch, what a game! That was the Super Bowl that Kerry Davis won down in Tampa, Super Bowl 48. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line right now. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and the MVP of Super Bowl 48, Santonio Holmes. Good morning, Santonio. Thanks for taking some time with us this morning. Uh, Randy, I'm sorry, man. I just want to correct you really quick, man. I didn't mean to be a jack in the jack in the box, but it was actually Super Bowl 43 that 43, we, uh, not 48. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so <laughs> bad, San Antonio, with Roman numerals, man. <laughs> uh, Tone, I, so I, I get asked this all the time, and and I didn't score the touchdown. Um, so I know you get asked often about scoring that touchdown, and did you get so so all of St. Louis knows you got both feet in, correct? Oh, man, this is in the history books, man. We can't even go back and, and try to make that look like it never happened. I can uh, – it's so funny that you asked that question, Kerry, simply because as I continue to see the different highlights from fans and from the NFL that are posting, you know, even leading up until this week and even throughout the playoffs, the only image in my head after the Super Bowl – it wasn't me making the catch. It wasn't Ben Roethlisberger making the throw. It was now me seeing every week Larry Fitzgerald's face just saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> and that image is in my head as if, no, you can't, you can't call that from over there because you can't see it. You are too far away to see what is going on in this side of the field. This is our zone right now. Like, this is where we are. So, to see that image, you know, over and over, and I tip my hat to Fitzgerald because, golly, man, this dude was the greatest, you know, one of the greatest to do it. And the way he did it in such fashion, uh, it really set a trend. And I, I believed in everything that he, you know, stood for and the way his work ethic was towards uh, being successful and accomplishing all the things that he had, uh, despite all the obstacles that he had to even face with. Um, he's one hell of a player. He is a sure you know, first-round uh, Hall of Famer, you know, and I tip my hat to him because he's one of the greatest. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't make that point to, to, to bash him or anything, but to relive this over and over, and I was in the game, so I never got to experience what the fans saw or how they were reacting. 
I just ended up playing, you know, the position that I had to play, and that was to make the game win the catch. Now, Tone, we uh, we, we were in, in Tampa, and it was a, a, a great experience. Just talk about what that week was like. We, we've been talking about what um, the Philadelphia Eagles and what the Kansas City Chiefs are preparing for this week. What was your experience like leading up into the Super Bowl? Being that the Steelers had won in 2005, we had a team full of veterans who understood what it took to get to this position and what it took to actually overcome. So when we came in, all we did as young guys and myself included was listen to how the veterans talk about preparation for this week. We watched how they prepared for the game coming up. And the locker room, it was it was a lot more fun during the Super Bowl time because those guys knew that they couldn't have sticks up their butts. They had to understand that we have to be as loose as we can in order for us to be able to find each other. Because if one of us is uptight, our focus then becomes on that individual to get his head in the game. But if we're all loose and playing this game, hey, well, you're slacking over the, come on now, pick it up. Hey, let's go. Right? So you can have that with your teammates because you have veterans who've been there before, and you have to really trust the way that these guys have uh, played this game before and the things that they're telling you. Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, San Antonio Holmes with us on 101 ESPN, a teammate of Kerry Davis on Super Bowl 43. San Antonio, we got to remember that that drive started after the long touchdown pass to Larry Fitzgerald. That drive started with a 21-yard kickoff return by Kerry Davis to set you guys up in pretty good field position. <laughs> oh, absolutely, dude. He getting up, get, I think it was a bounce. He caught it off the bounce, like right before the uh... – it on the bounce or did you catch it in the air? I don't recall. I, I just know I was thinking, yeah. catch it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing is sometimes athletes are in a zone, right? You have four grabs for 73 yards, I think, on that drive. Was Antonio Holmes, was that the, the best zone of your career on that game-winning drive in the Super Bowl? I wouldn't even take credit for that, man. I ended up talking about how... I wanted to express my relation to putting a staple in supporting this team at this particular time. And my words, the big thing was, I want the ball. Hey, 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 you're not looking at me. I want the ball. <laughs> and he's not listening. Because now that I saw a soundbite from one of the persons that posted on, on social media, He's not even paying me any attention, just like I knew it happened. Like, he really wasn't looking at me. And to have that recollection of a memory, you know, after so many years, that's because, like you just said, Tone, were you, this is the most zoned in you've ever been. When I realized that that game gave us an opportunity to win the game at the end, I remember back in 1995 when I was a kid and I watched the Pittsburgh Steelers lose to those Dallas Cowboys. And I have hurt. But when I was sitting on that bench, all the memories came back to me that tone, this is your time to be a champion now. Do you really want to be a champion or do you want to walk away just being the player that played on the team? Or do you just want to be a guy that, you know, was there for support? Or do you want to make an impact that's going to be lasting? And that's when I jumped up and I wasn't cued 
like all these guys are saying now is the NFL uh, 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 stage, or is it? You know, we didn't get a script. I didn't get that script, Tone. I, I mean, I take hey, it. Come on, bro. <laughs> hey, when I when I when I sat down on that bench and I was saying to myself that I'm daring to be great, I had no clue that that microphone was still on in my shoulder pads at that moment. I'm speaking into existence what I look forward to happening in this game at this particular time so that the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to walk away as Super Bowl champions. So at the end of the day, my focus was on how am I going to be a part of this historical moment because I may never get back to this place again. But are you daring to be great right now? And those were the words that I I uttered, you know, to myself and – likes of pushing myself from within and how I was going to help and perform for our team. Well, you may not know it, Tone, but everybody else saw you in the zone. I saw it. I saw the look in your eyes, and we heard you. You know, sometimes if you're talking to yourself, you may just be talking, but you were speaking it into existence. And uh, to be able to have that grab in the end zone uh, to to seal the game, I mean, we still had a – you talked about Larry Fitzgerald. He, We were still worried a little bit about him making a play, but, uh, you know, our defense went out there and sealed the deal, and we got to go out on offense for the best play in football, which is victory formation. <laughs> Take a knee. <laughs> and and embraces champions, man. So I appreciate you, brother. I love you. Thank you. And real quick, my uh my grandmother reminds me all the time. I don't know if you remember this at our Super Bowl ring ceremony. You were, we were we were sitting at the table together, and my daughter had chicken yep. fingers, and you had a steak, and you had she swapped with you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> my grandmother asked me about you all the time, so she said hello. Just wanted to give you that. Hey, and, and Antonio. Oh, man, tell her I said hello. Yeah. <laughs> One quick thing here because. Uh, Kerry's been doing this with us for about six months, and we know what a great teammate already Kerry Davis is. Your strongest memory of your football teammate, Kerry Davis? Oh, my God. Oh, man, when you, you talk about memories, we have to go in the archives. And sometimes you don't want to pull things from the archives. That <laughs> some things, that we, about, you know? some <laughs> things will so we'll just so keep to ourselves. Brothers, you know, that locker room talk, you know what I'm saying, we really have to understand, okay, but uh, to that point, um, I just think just being there, man, you know, in time of need, if it's, if it's something that one of us needed, Kerry being the older guy on the team than me at the time, um, he really stood by us, you know, and he listened. And whatever time that we needed support and we needed help, like that was, that was a guy that we knew we could go to because he would tell you, hey, don't you get in trouble, let me get in trouble. <laughs> and when you have a brother that can stand up for you you know, and take that responsibility, he's actually now putting both of you guys in a better position so that harm does not come your way. So with that being said, like, that's my fondest memory of having Kerry, you know, as my teammate, my brother, someone I can still call on to this day and even be on the show because that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers family and the Steelers Nation is literally all about. Well, appreciate your tone, man. I know you got a golf event this weekend in Arizona. You want to tell us about that real quick? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I started a nonprofit for uh, called 10 All In for minorities and underprivileged kids to get involved in the game of golf through STEAM education and mental health. And our arts inside of STEAM is uh, the mental health focus that we put on our kids and helping them learn on how to deal with social emotional learning skills, which is one of the key factors to us sustaining jobs and becoming, you know, better people uh, in life. And this weekend, uh, Saturday, February 11th, 
We were in Avondale, Arizona, at the Coldwater Golf Club uh, with a shotgun start of, um, I think it's 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. And, yes, we're here out here to support, uh, you know, the kids in, uh, in the community. We have a partnership with the First Tee of Phoenix uh, out here, and our goal is to sponsor one kid so that he could be a part of the First Tee of Phoenix uh, for a year and uh, get the experience uh, of learning what it's like to become a, um, a young golfer and, and even learn how to build a business and a network in the game. That's great to hear, and we thank you for what you do for the kids out there in that area. Santonio, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Absolutely, man. Kerry, don't let them mess up that Super Bowl 43 again. No, nah, right? I got him. I'm, I'm on him now. I, I didn't hear it. <laughs> appreciate you, bro. Thank you, Santonio. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you, guys, man. Appreciate it. That's the Super Bowl 43 MVP. There you go. San Antonio Holmes on 101 ESPN. <laughs> we'll head down the stretch toward a balloon party with rock and roll next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Time for rock and roll. Terry Davis is always laughing and smiling. Uh, we were just talking about, you know, people getting fired for doing strange things. And I was telling you we had a rookie who didn't pay his fine. <laughs> I mean, didn't pay his uh, his his gamble, his debt mm-hmm. in gambling. I couldn't remember the guy's name, but I remember what they called him. They called him Click Clack because he wore mm-hmm. Under Armour cleats. And that's when the Click Clack. Oh, oh, yeah. Click Clack. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was his nickname. That's it. I was going to play a clip <laughs> at the end of this one going into break, and now I'm 100% going to play it because you bringing up people getting fired. Uh, I have a perfect Babe Ruth clip and, and somebody who just couldn't possibly get fired. I love Seinfeld so much. You're going to hear a little Seinfeld clip at the end of Rock and Roll today. But here I have a clip um, from a pretty relevant podcast right now, and that is Jason Kelsey and his brother Travis, they have a pretty good podcast going right now. And here's the thing. They got their mom onto the podcast because there's a petition going on right now where people want Donna Kelsey, the mother of Travis, and Jason, they want her out doing the coin flip for the Super Bowl. So they got her on their podcast, and here was her and their discussion about the potential of her going out there for the Super Bowl coin toss. Let's get through it. Seinfeld. There it is. <laughs> there are so many legends and people that have that have their blood, sweat, and tears on that field. And for a mom that's never played football, I don't think that's the right place for her to be. I think you're discounting moms. I think, yeah, yeah. Every you're player a legendary mom played. right here. Well, here's here's a. I don't know if I would All be a distraction. Would I be a distraction out there for you for you guys? No, that's no. what I would worry about because you've always told me since you were little. Don't you ever come out on the field. I don't oh, yeah. care if you have a broken yeah. foot or what. It's dead. Don't you come running out there. I would if the two of you say that it will not be a distraction to you. It will be a distraction to me. Nope, that you'll in. be focusing on the you know game. Yes. You're in. Oh, I'll, so tell Roger, I'll tell Roger. I'm, a, I'm an expert focuser. I'll call him up. There it is. There it is. Donna Kelsey, get her to the Super Bowl and for the pod, and for the coin flip that was on the New Heights podcast. I'm down with it. I'd say 100% you get Donna Kelsey down there with the split Eagles Chiefs jersey that she was rocking on, on, on Instagram. That'd be fun. How, how cool is it to have your sons playing against each other? I mean, one of them, here's the best part about it. They both have already won a Super Bowl. Exactly right. So there's not, there's not that feeling of, oh, I haven't gotten it yet. Um to be able to play your brother 
for the ultimate championship, I think, is 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 an awesome thing. You know that that gives one brother bragging rights over the other for forever. Right. Right. I mean, you couldn't beat me in a Super Bowl. You how were you better than me? And the other cool thing from her perspective <laughs> is that the players will never be on the field at the same time. That they that both play well. offense. Yep, that is well. That definitely helps. Uh, <laughs> helps with the uh, easiness of. Yeah. Uh, the heart heartache that's going to be taking place. That's so cool. Those Sunday. are two easy guys to root for. Yeah, two yeah. of the easiest guys to root for. And you and you add in the family aspect here. Here's the thing: I, I I was a little bit surprised that they beat out the Sharps, but I guess I shouldn't have been. But man, I don't know. Yeah, I, that, think maybe, I think maybe I think maybe the, the Mannings. Bias. I think the Mannings might have. I think that might be the the, the number one in the most trouble here with with the with because mm. of the Kelsey brothers yeah. and you got the Longs and everything. I don't know. I'm. I think that might be the number one that might be in the most trouble. By the way, it's possible. That's uh, we're, we're we're up against it, Randy. So I'm just gonna say that's gonna be okay. our, that's gonna be our one rock and roll. Okay, that's a great rock and roll, though. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Great job, but today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. CD, oh, this was oh, wow, my pleasure. Wow, I'm off on I'm, I'm off on a Monday. I said thank you. What the yeah. heck's wrong with me? Uh, CD, this has been great. It's uh, and we'll celebrate the Super Bowl all, all week long. But it was great to have a couple of fellow Super Bowl champs on, and Chris Long and San Antonio Holmes. Super Bowl forty three. Super Bowl 43. Yes. Another Super Bowl 43 <laughs> champion tomorrow, right? Indeed. Max Starks will be joining us. Looking forward to that. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.